Hey, what's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Pod of Greed. Happy to see you here. For yeah, week. I didn't like that. I don't like it when you do it. I don't know. Like, I, guys, let us know who should be doing the intro. Like, I mean, I think I did okay. I don't know. It wasn't me though. Uh, sorry, my bad. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, listen, this one's a pretty big one. This is the big one. You know why? No, I actually don't. Because there's a new band list. Oh yeah, we're gonna about talk for three hours on that in Digimon. Oh. No, there's a new Yu-Gi-Oh! band list. I think there's also a new Digimon there band is, list, there but is. there's a new Yu-Gi-Oh! band list. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here for sure. I think this will be a pretty interesting one. Um, of course, though, before we get started, just a reminder to you guys, we appreciate all of your five-star reviews. And the one-star ones. We see you. Yeah, on, um, on the different podcasting platforms. It's really awesome. Um, year's almost over. We should still have an episode for you guys next week, even though uh, we'll be you know gone for the Christmas holidays. We'll have We've to kind of cram planned. that one in. Yeah, we'll figure something out for it because uh, we missed Thanksgiving's like episode, but I don't want to do that again if we can help it. You know, I know you guys are going to be stuck with your families and might want some Yu-Gi-Oh and just newsy stuff to listen. to. Honestly, the more I'm around my family, the more I just want to like crawl into a hovel and play Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah, and also uh, be on the lookout because I'm going to be probably doing a giveaway on that episode. So. Something kind of exciting, maybe Pot of Greed related. So, and speaking of the pot, thank you guys for all your submissions to our uh, Google form. Uh, we've been reading and adding new questions to our to our uh, pot over here. So um, yeah, thank so definitely you guys. continue doing that. We've got the link in the description. It's much easier to read and uh, process all your different questions that way. So, I think it's time that we get into the big meat news and potatoes. The meat and potatoes being a new force of will. Yeah. That's right. There's yeah, a new. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, I don't. I don't. Is that game still going? I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I feel like a podcast about card games. We should know at least if a card game is still. Printed. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> okay, so there's a new Yu-Gi-Oh band list. We're not beating around the bush anymore. Um, this is like a huge band list. It's yeah. a huge one. A lot of cards moved, both uh, got banned and unbanned. Yeah, a lot of cards got banned, moved, unbanned, all that stuff. Fun fact, actually, uh, this ban list had 25 changes on it. That's a lot. Which I think was not an accident. I think that for the Yu-Gi-Oh! 25th anniversary, they decided to end the year off by moving 25 cards on the ban list. I have no clue if it actually was on purpose. I'm really curious what the 25th card was. What was the inconsequential thing they did just to get to 25? I know. Or what was the 26th change? The one that they just decided to not not do because they had a nice 25. It is an interesting thing when you think of a band list this big. Well, anyway, okay, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. So um, you guys have probably seen my band list sort of reaction video on this channel already. So I'm not going to like... I think go into just every individual card. Unless you I don't even to. know that much about some of the cards. So. Yeah, so um, I think it'd probably be better just to talk about some of the highlights and the big conversation pieces around right. this ban list right now. So um, four cards are banned. Agito and Kelbeck, the Ishizu uh, Millen cards. Mathmex, Rest in peace. Yeah, Mathmex Circular and Isolde, Two Tales of the Noble Knights. Probably the biggest thing here is Isolde. It's sadly been a long time coming for us old. Mm-hmm. And I, as someone who actually, I like Noble Knights and I like Infernoble fine. But I sold wasn't really designed with the future in mind. Or maybe she was designed too much for the future. Yeah, she's kind of the last bastion of those. Um, if you remember, like, 
what was it like the the link brains pack in mm-hmm. the ocg way back when and a lot of them got imported in dual overload although as old actually came out sooner than that but this is kind of the last of those link two monsters with really strong effects like it was if we're kind of going back in history a bit link monsters came out they were pretty like underwhelming at the start mm-hmm. it was awkward you had to run like mrs radiant and like decode talker it wasn't a good you time. know there's obviously like firewall dragon was very strong but like it was almost more of like an outlier Generally speaking, people didn't really, like, hadn't taken to links. And all of our decks were ruined because of the master rule change. Yeah, exactly. So then came Link Brains Pack, and they also made, like, a Link Brains Pack 2, and it was basically, like, just a bunch of very accessible, very strong Link 2 monsters. That's where you got your, you know, Halky Fibrax, your Electromite, mm. um, a lot of those cards, Predator Plant, Ver- Anaconda. A bunch of cards that had archetypal names for the sake of... yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, many have ended up banned. <laughs> yeah. Like a lot, actually. And so, uh, yeah, Isolde was kind of cut from that same cloth. I'll say this about Isolde. While I think that the banning was deserved in the sense that this card was heavily exploited in a lot of FTKs and a lot of very like high combo decks that Konami seems to not really be too big a fan of, it was actually even part of the uh, Exodia FTK you oh, know. yeah, because yeah. they use the, uh, what are they called, the Ignites. Yeah, so it was even part of uh, Jeff Leonard's Exodia FTK, and I think that while that was a cool moment, it probably was, like, proof to Konami that, okay, <clears throat> we got to finally get rid of this thing. It's, uh, you know. I yeah. sold was not future-proof and future-proof at the same time. Just being able to work with... Just closing that door. Uh, just being able to work with generic warriors, uh, like... I yeah. feel bad for the Infernoble and Noble Knight fans, but maybe this means you will get a Noble Knight. That's what I was going to say, so they need to do that. Yeah, just give them, give them their own link, too, that works with their cards. Because so many decks, I've seen like people, you know, Six Samurai players, Noble Knight players, a lot of people playing these like much lower-tier warrior strategies that were able to utilize Isolde, and now they feel like they've really had it kind of, you know, just robbed from them. Yep. Because, as always, some upper-tier strategies are better abusing the card. Yeah. I, for one, always thought that Isolde should have required a Noble Knight <laughs> as material. I'm so surprised that it wasn't, like, one Noble Knight and another monster or something. But then Goki couldn't have used it to be a Tier 0 deck. Yeah, so it's kind of like what, you know... It's like what you said, I think that a lot of these Link Brains things just had archetype names, but not really, uh, I mean, you know, they were just I mean, look at Predaplant Ver Anaconda. What's Predaplant about it? Yeah, there's really not. So. <laughs> like, it's known for, like, much more dangerous things. Yeah, so I hope that they can maybe give some sort of a, a re-revised Isolde that like, mm-hmm. warrior decks can use without it being too, like, just kind of abusable by everything. I think that maybe, like, a... A warrior lock of some kind, obviously, you know, lock Ooh, your warriors. Way. Well, because that way, I mean, if you're playing play Six Sam's and like Noble Knights, then it's fine, but it also means that you can't kind of like run it in just every old thing. Yeah, you thing. can't just force it into things. You can't just use it to get your little Aqua Dolphin. Yeah, and then also, um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just, it's kind of one of those examples of a card like that. It's going to, it's going to get banned. There's going to be like kind of winners and losers in that regard. Mm-hmm. And it does really suck. Um, another surprising one, too, was Mathmex Circular, just because, like, I think being limited to one was probably enough for that card. But no one has complained more about Mathmex Circular that I know than you. Yeah, but the thing is, even... So, that's true. The thing about Mathmex Circular for me, though, isn't that I 
wanted banned. I just think that it should have been limited in like Master Duel, for instance. The thing is, though, the TCG already had this card limited to one. So I don't know why they suddenly moved it, given that it hasn't, to my knowledge, been like a huge tournament force. I mean, Math so. Mech is that deck that hangs around. Um, you always hear about Math Mech players in the TCG, despite the limits. Yeah, but... I mean, I don't. I didn't know that they were winning events. Yeah, they they weren't that I could tell. So, uh, a little bit bizarre. I mean, it certainly is a general hit to Cybers sort of pile decks too, because a lot of them would just run a small math mech package. But either way, um, it's also banned, and then of course the Ishizu cards. Getting into a couple of limits. Um, so there were Orcus Harpoor, great for finally the, back to one for the Orcus lovers. Um, Redox, our first kind of like. Dangerous dragon ruler. Don't I think people miss would Redox. Say. I, gotta, I gotta tell you, I don't miss that card. Yeah, so it's gonna be interesting to see because you that played makes an against impact. your friends. I wait, I don't play Redox. You played it against me. I've never played Redox. I know what you're. You t- I know what you're thinking of. What have I? You're thinking, thinking of True of? Kings. Is, That's the deck I played. You're right. Yeah, you're right. The it level wasn't nine Redox. ones. Yeah, okay, you're right. But, I mean, they felt like they were based on it. it. It felt very similar. Yeah, yeah. I played True Kings, but I've never played Dragon Rulers against. Really, anybody Someone play it very much. Redux. Oh, in tournament. Now nah, I think about it. I played um, this in tournament. Yeah, so that'll be interesting to see. I'm very curious. Oh if, my like, God. How many years course. has it been since that format? What, Dragon Rulers? Yeah. Oh, like many. I mean, they were banned in like uh, late 2014. 2014? Early, it's 2023. Yeah, like Konami, why are they still on the ban list? Yeah, so they're slowly moving these things off. I'm curious if they'll like get title next. I mean, it's one that... Everyone always like fears, like, oh my god, it's like a foolish burial. So I don't know. I think modern Yu-Gi-Oh can handle it. Like our but. decks, like they, they, one one card combos are becoming the norm right now, and I don't think we have anything to worry about from title. Yeah, not really me either. I know like people swear up and down that that's a thing, but anyways, those two cards came off, and as for things that got hit, Rescue Ace Airlifter. I know the Rescue Ace deck was. Pretty consistent, so this is a consistency hit That's for them. That's a slap on the wrist, though, right? Well, no, it's actually a pretty big hit to consistency. Oh. Because uh, Airlifter is the normal summon that gets you a spell card, and it's typically going to search that card Emergency, which uh, lets you like summon one from deck, and then it can tribute off the Airlifter, and it sets up the the smaller turbulence monster i forget its name it's it's a very do y'all even card. play hydrant anymore i thought that was like the 10 oh no hyd- some people want hydrant banned okay, okay but but um yeah no it's it's very it's a pretty meaningful hit same with the unchained souls of sharvara that was a new one yeah that's one of the new ones that's from duelist nexus so um so those are con- consistency hits the sun avalon deck got hit i was kind of surprised they I got didn't. two hits yeah i didn't think that that was gonna be Maybe they're just sick of it yeah, hanging right. on, hanging around. Because you always hear about that uh, Rika Sun Adlon deck. Just it gets Squeaking it tops by. events every so often. It just it hangs around for a while. But see, I don't know if that's grounds to hit a deck so hard. Like if it's just kind of like managing to do okay at events. It's but there are some plant monsters I think that were announced fairly recently. Uh, that's oh, what people have told me about. Like some new um, aroma stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. the new aroma. The new aroma so they might be okay. So that'd be like kind of preemptively, you know. Like, like, tempering the power sense. level. A big one, Ib, the World Chalice just this year. This one's... Uh, uh, oh, that one's off? Yeah, it's, it's oh. a one. It's going to be kind of interesting. It searches World Legacy cards. Typically, mm-hmm. that'd be like World Legacy, Guard Dragon, and Succession. I mean, that card being forbidden, I was going to build a four-fun World Legacy deck where I just try and build... It's a, it was, was going to be a lore deck, but because Justicar was, uh, was banned, I was like, oh, I guess I just won't bother. 
Snatch Deal, that's pro- that's like your big uh, headlining old band spell. It's back again. Yeah, it's back again. This time I think it'll it'll stick. Yeah, I don't. I, it doesn't feel like Yu-Gi-Oh is in a place where a Snatch Deal is going to swing the game. Yeah, especially given that in the same list they put like Mind Control to like three. So I mean, I feel like they're just kind of these little cards that like take monsters and are good for going second. Maybe they're trying to buff the idea of going second a little bit. It could be fun, and uh, I don't know if you've ever messed around with the uh, new-ish uh, vampires that work around con- controlling your opponent's cards and doing stuff with them. Oh yeah, that's true. Could and they can treat the monster as a the as proper a- level for mm-hmm. like an easy summon and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's back. Gozen, Rivalry, and There Can Be Only One, all limited to one. Just they just hit them with a flood of level yeah. limits. Attack on floodgates. Good. Yeah, Good. I think that this is probably something that a lot of players wanted. Not all. I've seen comments where people have been like, you know, kind of lamenting the loss of these cards. They felt like these were the cards that helped them to slow these, you know, meta decks down to their pace. And be able to Which stand a chance. Tends to be what flo- it's weird. That's how floodgates have always been used, right? You use them in lower tier decks to slow down higher tier decks, but also higher tier decks would use them to exploit. Yeah, you. Exp- yeah. It was very. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the floodgate thing. It, floodgates are like. I don't want to say even that they're fine. I, I, they're they're not really pleasant to play against. I don't think anybody ever likes a card just simply saying you cannot. You cannot do this, or you can only do that. But um, they did have, I think, a place in defensive, like, on the defensive end of things. Man, there were people who would hit me when I was playing Pendulums with Secret Village and expect me to shake their hand after the game. I want to spit in their face. Or bringing anti-spell fragrance, like, arguably <laughs> want worse. want to spit in their face. <laughs> yeah. So, at least they put these to one and not, like, banned outright. I think that's probably... Yeah, it makes them inconsistent enough. Though it does make them feel sacky. Yeah, if your opponent sees like the random, you know, goes and match or something and it shuts mm. you down, that would kind of suck. But I think what this also means, though, is that if you're playing like a combo deck, which like, you know, they can exploit these cards really hard, it might make make it like not feel worth it to run these cards. True. One. And then like once you out them, I mean, they're gone now. I mean, you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah, but that's just a like, relief. Sometimes like the worst feeling is when you like out them, you know, there can be only one or rival warlords. They just literally had another one set. And what was a brick for them now just becomes like, it's what fine. I, what I hate even more is when they chain it. So like, yeah, insult you activate injury. your thing to target one, they chain the second one. And it's like, oh god, been there, <laughs> been there. Also been the one doing it. But um, rude. I've been on both ends of the of the spectrum. I can tell you that. Uh, okay, so other cool ones that went to two: Dino Wrestler, Pankertop, Speedroid, Terratop, and Pirelli Sleepy Memory. So Pankratops and Terratop are actually coming like off like yeah. to two. This Which is, is cool. strange to me. I don't know why Pankratops need to be hit at all. I mean, I, I knew why it needed to be hit at the time that it was, but I think that we've since kind of gotten to a point where yeah. there's enough strong going second cards that this will just kind of slot in with the rest of them. I mean, as long, if Fenrir can be here at three, I mean. Exactly. Like. Yeah. <laughs> Fenrir is like a little better than Pankratops is, so. Now, it's nice for dinosaur decks, though. They can actually search this card and even recycle it. So, for them, it'll be... Dinos stay winning in fifth place. Yeah, so for them, it's a nice little buff. Terratop is a cool one. This one feels like it's been on the list for a long time. It's been at one for an incredible amount like, of I time. Like, I want to say since, like, 2016, maybe, or so. Like, it's it's been like, a while. It's been a, it's been a minute. I can't actually remember playing it in like, it's... 
Yeah, Teratop, I mean, it, it's been a long time, so that's kind of cool to see it at two. Uh, I know you used to have a Speedway deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two. Stores still do. I no, I, no, I broke that thing down. Speedroids is a very annoying deck to try and pilot. There's way too much chance, and when you're trying to optimize combos with die rolls, yeah. <sighs> okay, and so Pirelli Sleepy Memory is a small little Pirelli hit. Um, not much to say on that. I mean, you know, it's just it's, gotta hit something for that. Something gotta get hit, and then finally, several things got unbanned entirely or off the list entirely. Infernity Archfiend, cool. I like that. Uh, Kashtira Unicorn. Mind Control to three is a pretty pretty big one. Uh, like Snatch Steel, it's one of these really good cards for going second. Pot of Desire is actually making its way off the list. Let's go. So that's kind of nice. Spellbook of Judgment, Sprite Starter, and probably a, a bit of a surprise one, Upstart Goblin at three. So The days of running four, I mean, 37 card decks are back. Yeah, I'm interested in seeing how many decks choose to run this because I think that a lot of top tier decks might uh, forego it anyway because decks are so consistent now. Like, they don't really need that sort of thing. But I think that if you're running maybe more of a mid or lower tier strategy, Upstart might be a little bit more attractive if you just have nothing else to really put in. I mean, true. If uh, getting your engine online and having kind of backups for your engine is the the ultimate goal of your deck, then Upstart really serves a good purpose. It just keeps keeps as lean as humanly possible. Then you can start siding them out in game too. Yeah, it's, it's, I've always loved Upstart as like a kind of good card for siding out. Uh, I think also now though, a lot of the upper tier decks would prefer to run Pot of Prosperity, a card that did not exist when Upstart was at three. True. Because like digging six cards deep into your deck is a lot more valuable than a complete like random just chance draw of upstart i wonder who's gonna be the absolute savage and madman to run three uh upstart goblins with two pot desires oh jesus yeah it's, it's running <laughs> as many just draw things it's kind of terrifying your deck will just disappear one cool thing i guess is if you're running like those weird exodia or burn decks like nurse burn loved upstart goblins a thousand free damage yeah yeah draw. Oh, or if you're playing exodia burn. like you can draw a few more just cards. Keep going, now. just keep digging. Keep As filling me, up that Royal Magical Library. I play Grin Maju, so Pot of Desires to three is actually like a, a nice little, you know. You nice. don't play Grin Maju. I haven't seen you touch a Grin Maju card in years. I haven't built on Master Duel, actually. Ah. I used to play it a lot in uh, in the TCG, but not so much anymore. Um, so I like Hextrude. E- Wait, what about her? What do you mean, what? Like, what about her? What about her? Just her? Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. So um, that's cool. That's the ban list. It's a lot of stuff. I've been looking at many people's opinions and takes on it. And Who's right and who's wrong? Uh, yeah, I don't have an answer for you as to who is right and who is wrong. This is but the I'll podcast. Tell you this is where you take the, like, the hard the stance. The hard stance on everything. Listen, it's a big ban list, which means a lot of opinions. Um, a lot of happiness about this one. This seems like it's mm-hmm. generally well-received. But in typical banless fashion, there are people who are um, displeased. I think the biggest displeasure comes from the eyes old hit. That's yeah. That's kind of been most people's big complaint. Is the noble know. knight players came out the woodwork to remind us they exist. Yeah, it's kind of funny how that works, isn't it? Where you know you kind of you go, and I think everything's like this to a degree. There's like. When things are going well, you just won't hear from certain people. Yeah. But then when, like, a car gets hit, you'll hear from them. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I just think it's, like, 
So there might have been thousands and thousands of Noble Knight players, okay, like six hundreds, samurai, something, fifteen, <laughs> like Noble Knight players and six samurai players and stuff, and they were always kind of chilling, you know, at table five hundred, so to speak, and just kind of enjoying their six sam deck or enjoying their Noble Knight deck mm-hmm. or whatever, and all was well, and then suddenly, you know, some top tier Exodia deck or some maybe kind of upper tier Infernoble deck abused Isolde too hard. And so as old as banned now, and now they're kind of out of the woodwork. Like, what did we do? You ruined it for the rest like, of we didn't us. Do, like, what's going on? And they have a point. Like, it does feel like it's, you know, paying for the crimes of the few type of mm. thing. But, maybe, but you know, Konami needs to fill up these new packs with new cards. So by hitting more generic cards that affect many strategies, they can then print very specific cards to help different strategies. It helps fill up future sets. Yeah. Um... There's a beeping truck outside, by the way, if you guys uh, get distracted by that. That's just my stomach. Stop. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's the ban list. I think overall, not a bad one. It seems like people are, like I said, they seem to be taking it well. I don't have any super strong opinions on it as I am not, like, super duper active. Nope, in the Paul, community. hot take. Do you love or hate the ban list? Two options. Go. Okay. I love it then. If All right, I then I hate it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're not explaining further. Yeah, I mean, what do you think about it overall? Oh, I mean, I, I hate it. Uh, no, it's 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 a fun list. Any list has a lot of moves. Uh, it just kind of reinvigorates the uh, community. It um it hits some top decks. It hits some uh, small decks as well. But I mean, I think that's what, that's important. That's what the Yu-Gi-Oh ban lists are all about. Just um mixing things up a bit to keep the format fresh. I hope that we get answers to some of people's uh banned favorite cards. Uh, yeah, I would like to see an answer to that as old thing. Um, but overall, it's it's okay. It's just fine. Um, hmm. I think that's it for the ban list. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's enough out of the ban list. Yeah, so any uh, other Yu-Gi-Oh! news? No, there's been like a I've flurry got of... plenty. Yeah, a flurry of kind of smaller stories. So, you know, the Japanese at their reveals for... Uh, what is that? Legacy of... Destruction. Destruction. And they showed off new Lightsworn support. Yeah, that's been a big, big topic. Okay. Yeah, we got the uh, the new level four uh, Dragon of Lightsworn. We got the Weiss Lightsworn Archfiend, uh, Enlightenment Dragon, a new fusion of Punishment and a uh, Judgment Dragon. And then there's Minerva Lightsworn Athena, and then a new Trap Card Lightsworn Aegis. We'll just move away from the Trap Card. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of cool that they are canonizing, so to speak. Um, light Sworns and Twilight Sworns. Yeah, this. they uh, everybody's kind of represented here. Yeah, they're kind of combining them into one. Uh, as for how good the support itself actually is, uh, I took some time to read it. Now, I'm not you know an avid Light Sworn player, so take my opinion obviously with a grain of salt. Ignore him. But I think um, that running the Twilight Sworns was always very difficult. I felt like they designed them; they looked really cool, and then like. I read the cards and I remember trying to play the deck and I was like, "This is very awkward." Like the, the Twilight Swords are not good, yeah, but with not this great new cards. support, you actually don't have to run a lot of tw- no a lot of Twilight Swords. There's no card in this list that says you need Twilight Sworn. You just need Light Sworn monsters. Yeah, I mean, I will say this. Um, I'd like to give it another go. I think Light Sworn holds a kind of special place for me just because like it was one of the big decks back when i was first getting into competitive Yu-Gi-Oh. Mm-hmm. so even though i did not play a lot of it 
I played a fair bit of it at the time, but like I didn't play a lot of it. So like playing against it almost is maybe more of my memory than than using it. So. I played it a lot in community college. Good times. Uh, oh, and I like to draw attention to Lice White's or Weiss Lightsworn Archfiend. That monster is actually a Dark World monster. Oh yeah, so that's kind of interesting too. They the Dark World and the Lightsworn seem to have some like unspoken lore going on. Yeah, I mean, from Just those cards fighting. featuring Raiko and Dark Smog and uh, the manipulation spell. Dark World Brainwashing? Dark World Brainwashing and then uh, Dark World... The, the other one. Mm-hmm. They uh, You see, like, Raiko kind of gets captured and turned into a Twilight Swarm. And Weiss, Lightsworn Archfiend, that seems to be Snow, the unlight of Dark World, but rocking Lightsworn robes. I'm very and curious Snow's what that's about. Sides? She, what I, she, what's maybe, maybe, maybe she snuck in, like, as, like, a sleeper agent. Or maybe she just completely switched. I don't know. Also kind of interesting is that it's an Archfiend card. Which yep, is sort specifically of a, an Archfiend. A big deal if you're into the archetype. Uh, some other cards that got uh, revealed. I, I've seen a few. Um, there were, So there's like a new, I don't know the exact name of it. Like the anime kind of pack thing. Oh, I don't like know the name. What, Anime like Chronicles? A, maybe it had like the Ancient Gear card. And like there's also the new like... Well, Ancient Gears are also Ultimate. Legacy of Destruction. Darren Legacy of Destruction, yeah. okay. What's the Blue-Eyes Ultimate Dragon with, like, the Black Magician of Chaos on top of it? Oh! I, well, I forget the name of it. I forgot set. it. I don't remember. Yeah, but there's a new, like, fusion um, that's, like, Blue-Eyes Ultimate Dragon and, like, Black Magician of Chaos is riding on it, and it's... Um, that's an upgrade from the uh, other... the uh, What was it called? Blue... The one with, with uh, Dragon Master Knight. Yeah, that guy. I guess it's te- yeah. I guess it's technically like it's a like an upgrade. Upgrade from that. Yeah, it's a better monster. It's riding. got a cool like negation effect. It can negate one monster, one spell, and one trap per turn. Talk that's so anime. Anyways, what do you think of the ancient gears? Yeah, that's what I really want to talk about. So yeah, in Legacy Destruction, we got a whole new line of ancient gear support, and it's centered around Golem, the way it was meant to be. So we got the uh, Ancient Gear Dark Golem, who is really good because it can actually search two cards on its own summon. But more importantly, or kind of more importantly, is it can be special summoned. An Ancient Gear Golem that can be special summoned. It's a, that was a huge hindrance to the Ancient Gear strategy before. We got mm-hmm. the Ancient Gear Tanker, which is just a kind of a fine card. It works within the engine really well. We got the Ancient Gear Commander, which this one's really cool because it's actually a reference to Velian Crowler himself. Is it? Yeah, the commander's wearing the dual kind of jacket where the dual disc is attached to the jacket. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's actually a, a reference to the character, which I you think know, is many, really cool. So actually many different um, anime like sort of support cards have that. Like Absolute King Back Jack is just Jack. Oh yeah, like it's there's a, a few strong reference. There's a few little like instances of the that. Bougians are all GX characters. Yeah, that was always kind of weird. And one's like, like Pegasus, but technically Pegasus is a GX character. Yeah, he, he was there. In GX. But we also got a new. Uh, we have a beautiful new continuous spell in Ancient Gear Advance. This card just looks sick, but it's also great for the engine. We got the new trap card, Ancient Gear Duel, which is not. Amazing, but it's kind of necessary since it makes your ancient gear monster, your ancient gear golem, it's unaffected by your opponent's monster effects, activated monster effects. So it's pretty much the only protection in the entirety of the ancient gear archetype. So uh, yeah, we'll, I, we'll gladly take that. We'll we'll take that. Yeah. So a lot of just cool kind of card reveals going on. Um, let's see. 
Any other major card reveals? I feel like there's probably something kind of obvious that I'm missing. Something could have slipped that came out earlier in the week, but... um. Yeah, if you're listening, definitely leave a comment. There's probably a thing or two that we may have forgotten about, but... Throw it in the comments. Yeah, there's definitely... There's a lot. Like, Legacy Destruction, just in general, got a lot of reveals. I, I did see that we got the blurb, the official, like, English blurb for the set mm-hmm. that uh, let us know that they are changing the Silent Force monsters to Voiceless Ugh. Voice. A lot of people don't seem like they like that name. Voiceless voice just sounds like nonsense. Maybe Silent Force sounds like nonsense and for the Japanese, but this definitely sounds like nonsense. Yeah, I mean, I think they both kind of evoke the same like idea, though, right? Like Silent Force or a voiceless voice. Like I think that's kind of... You know, I don't get it. You don't like it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just going to be one of those things that'll have to grow on us. Because I remember when people still called like uh, Halky Fibrex needle fiber, and I never even knew like what those two th- like where the connection well, to be fair, Halky Fibrex is hard to say. Yeah, like, so that's not the easiest thing. Yeah, ever. we just condense it to Halk. So yeah, I wonder what they'll call these. Will they just call them the voices? Voices, voiceless, or just the voices? Vo- um, Voice. Well, it makes you think of the that one Kingdom Hearts. What are the Kingdom Hearts enemies called? The Heartless. The Heartless. Yeah, you're of... the only person I know that has to ask questions about Kingdom Hearts. I've never played it. Just play it. Oh no. Oh my god. I've, I've never played Kingdom Hearts, but I know that they were called the Heartless. Guys, so. uh, leave in the comments if Paul should play Kingdom Hearts, the first one. He doesn't have to play any others. Yeah. So, um, lots of cool new card reveals. Um, in Master Duel news, the Duelist Cup concluded. Did you um, win? I didn't play, wow. as you know, but the Duelist Cup concluded. Um, yeah, so another sort of bout of intense gameplay. I saw people a little unhappy about it on social media. I mean, I'd be unhappy, too, there if I had were, to wear a diaper for 24 hours and I still didn't win. Yeah, that was uh, that was the case for a lot of people. I saw that, like, Distant Coder was very unhappy. He bowed out, um, wasn't able to, I guess, you know, achieve top... Whatever the top three or top one. Well, top one, I think it's like the invite to Worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody gets some points for playing, though, so you can at least accumulate points and qualify that way. But he'd had some not-so-kind things to say about the format of the Duelist Cup. So, uh, But, I mean, isn't that just kind of like salt at that point? I, I want to hear, like, the winners little, complain. Yeah, I think there is a little bit of salt. Because for anybody who, like, tries really hard but falls short, it's... You can only ever really be left feeling a little bitter, I yeah, imagine. That's a huge, like, time it's commitment. A, it's the time you got to put in so much effort, and then you just fall short. Yeah, for some context, just um, if people don't know how the Duelist Cup and Master Duel works, um, it's kind of this, like, roughly two-week-long thing where the first <clears throat> big stretch of it is qualifying for through, like, a first round. And then the second round, you get, like, 72 hours to just kind of, like, sprint for points. Winning gets you points. Losing loses you points. So you need to... Win a lot quickly to secure a good position, and it can be really rough because any time that you're not playing is sort of technically an opportunity that somebody could overtake you, and so uh, it can be really stressful. A lot of people will forego sleep or food. That said, um, I've changed my stance on it a little bit at least in that, like, because before I was like, okay, this is this seems like a really toxic system, and I still don't think that it's a great one, but... Um, there's an argument to be made that, like, it's kind of, it is what we make of it. Mm-hmm. And that, like, no, Konami's not telling you you don't get to sleep or that you don't get to eat. They're just saying you get points for winning. 
So in theory, if you're able to win quickly, yeah, and like make a really good deck and like win really quick. Well, there's oh. our main camera. All right, guys, looking at you this way. <laughs> but in theory, um, if you're able to win quickly, you are like in a good position to just kind of take a break, and people do that, right? So, you know, that's the Duelist Cup. We'll see if they ever change that. It never will. I don't think that they're going to change it. I mean, like Duel, Duel Links apparently has done this. I mean, look how look how many changes Master Duel has had since launch. Yeah, none. I mean, uh, so well, why would lie. they change this? Well, no, that's a lie. So the base of, game, like yeah, nothing, nothing no, big on the base game. What about our new features? But they've added a lot of quality of life things to Master Duel. I just don't think that they're going to change like the way the Duelist Cup works. because nah, that's it's that's like such a baked in. System Master Duel doesn't even have like Duel Links level duel rooms. So yeah, that's actually my big thing with Master Duels. The, the two requests that I have for Master Duel outside of my like little selfish thing of music or whatever, like I want a music selector that'd be cool but in terms of like actual functional features fleshing out the casual mode would be a really big one mm-hmm. it's just not very it's just not very good uh cues take a long time most of the time people troll you don't get uh your mission points or whatever objectives for the day for playing in casual mode so i think they just need to figure something out it's with crazy that. you can't get the dual pass with you can't fill up your yeah you can't fill your dual pass games. you can't do your daily missions and stuff and then also i think that they need to improve the dual rooms because it's wild to me that like Duel Links does it so much better given that it's like the sort of smaller game and also that they have a blueprint for how a dual room could work and they just did not use it <laughs> just to explain that a little bit more for people who maybe don't play Duel Links because I know it's kind of seen as its own little uh, neck of the woods Duel Links dual rooms are cool because they can have up to 100 people whereas mm-hmm. Master Duel can only have up to 50 and it can actually just automatically pair people against each other Yep, and uh just everybody duels for X amount of time, like 30 minutes, an hour, two hours. And then at the end, it just ranks everybody's scores. And so it can be a really fun thing to do with like a group of friends or also like for streamers who are making content or something, making a duel room is neat because it's like everybody in my chat kind of just gets to hop in and have some duels. And then like when it's done, we can start a new one. And yeah, it was a good time back in those days. So I would say that that's something that Master Duels suspiciously is like lacking and maybe should do more of i don't really know why they haven't at least I, I, maybe they're considering it i don't know I, I when it comes to konami products i chalk it all up to bureau bureaucracy yeah i gotta try to monetize it um well a bit of a testimony from somebody who won actually the duelist cup ryan Yu. i don't okay. know if you're familiar that name does sound very familiar yeah he was at worlds he um was on the in the master duel finals mm. from this past summer um known for playing labyrinth and stuff like that but yeah, he won um, the North America Duelist Cup. Okay. Uh, using a combination of Zodiacs at first, he said, to I guess get ahead and get some early wins. Then he switched to Dragon Link, and then for the final couple hours, he played Labyrinth. So um, yeah, he played us a nice little combination of different decks, and he got first place. So we'll, I suppose, be seeing him at Worlds next year in Master Duel. Um, so Where is Worlds next year? I don't think they've announced it. I mean, no. my guess was going to be maybe just in America. Presumably. I don't know. I know they are next, like, UK worlds? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, so technically it would have to be... Because thinking about worlds locations, in 2019, that was the worlds that we went to. That was in Germany. Um, that was in Germany. And then the most recent worlds was in Japan. And so this next one presumably would be in America, which means that Europe uh, would okay. come after. Got it. So uh, Europe, I guess, wouldn't get a world until 2025. Hmm. If, you know, if the 
if the pattern, pattern holds continues. Up. So, um, yeah, that was just kind of cool. It's nice to see somebody, you know, winning and doing well in the Duelist Cup because it's mm-hmm. sometimes a point of contention for people. So, um, nothing else really big on the Master Duel front, but I did want to bring up something that I just kind of had sort of personally noticed a bit and thought it'd be worth talking about and I can get some listeners' opinions on this. I wasn't aware, but there is like a degree of animosity between Master Duel and TCG players that I guess I... I always thought it was maybe like a bit of a joke and maybe it is just a joke. But like when I go to the, like the master duel subreddit and the TCG subreddit, like people are, I guess because the formats are different, people have a very, um, kind of like you're a master duel player or you're like a TCG player. And that's kind of like, never should the two cross. Yeah. Never should the two cross. There's kind of like, it's like there's this militant faction sort of deal going on. Um, and I didn't know about it, but yeah, I've seen some of that, like in people's comments and, I mean, yeah, as someone who is between both worlds, I don't do either one enough to really claim one over the other. But um, I remember talking to a Master Duel player, and I won't I won't say names, but um, when he when I told him that I didn't really play Master Duel, that I played more like TCG at the time, this kind of look of disgust kind of creeped up on his face. Hmm. Like I was no longer worth talking to because I was a dirty paper player. Yeah, I mean, I'm so it's funny. I've gotten kind of the, the opposite end of that experience where I've had comments like on videos accusing me of like being like a master duel like shill or like you switched to master duel. You <laughs> you betrayed like the TCG. You know, why why like it's like I saw somebody commented something along the lines of like, "Well, why do you care about the TCG unless you're just a master duel player?" And I'm just like, "What what is that?" Cuz I guess I've always viewed Yu-Gi-Oh players as Yu-Gi-Oh players. Right. Like just Yu-Gi-Oh players. Because like I mean fundamentally they're they are still like functionally the it's same all game. All the same game. The game just has multiple it's just, like it's just different formats of the same game. Like it's kinda of different card pools. Like Cross Duel was gone. Yu-Gi-Oh is still Yu-Gi-Oh. Yeah. I mean I guess if you look at it that way, it makes me feel really bad for the Duel Links players. Where do they fall? Oh, that the Duel Links players are treated like they're Red-headed nothing. stepchildren <laughs> or something. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I just, I've noticed that a little bit more, and I guess my little PSA for it would be, like, can we not? So we're still, like, TCG players. Hell, there's cards on this table. Yeah, it's like, like I, I play TCG. sitting right like, I've here. Got, like, I've got cards. I have decks. It's just, you know, I I think it's interesting because I suppose maybe if you don't, you have to, like, play them all so frequently and, like, cover everything equally and be just as engaged and I think that to think that is kind of a very short-sighted way of thinking. Like, that you, a person must consume Yu-Gi-Oh! at all times and be, like, fully, you know, like, just fully on board the TCG, fully on board Master mm-hmm. Duel, know everything that's going on with every single deck and every single, like, ban list and format. And I'm just like, no, I don't think that's really reasonable. I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh! is Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, it... The format changes, but they're still the same game. I mean, look at Jesse Cotton having played in, like, in Master Duel Worlds and the TCG Yeah, worlds. I think, yeah, Joshua Schmidt, same Joshua thing. Schmidt, right? like, yeah, they... They played both, and, they, like, I think that for a lot of people, there's... I think a lot of the animosity probably comes from, like, weird, like, internet debates where someone says, like, you have less skill if you play Master Duel because, like, it's got Max C or something, so that means that, like, if you play it... absolutely nothing. You have, like, less skill, or some people say, like, if you play the TCG, you're a sucker because, like, you're paying money for these cards. Ha! You know, and it's very... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not joking. Like, I, that is a real, like, I'm making it sound satirical and stuff, but, like, that's, like, a sentiment I've seen 
where people will like, you know, ha, like sucker, you play the TCG. Master Duel is free to play, and you don't have, I don't have to pay a hundred dollars for a, for cards for the a dual links players are like, you don't know. We have to for both cards worlds. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, I yeah. I mean I don't know. But play Yu Gi Oh however you want. It's fine. Like I don't think that there needs to be uh, like the thing about Yu Gi Oh. If you're good at Yu Gi Oh, you'll you'll you won't just succeed. You'll excel in any avenue of this game. Like, yeah, Yu Gi Oh scale transfers regardless of the format. Basically, I mean, yeah, I think like Ryan Yu, like right, that proves yeah. it. He's literally won YCS events, and then also he's going to Worlds again for Master Duel. Like he, you know. I think if Duel Links weren't such a commitment in like time and money, I imagine like people these people could too. still just go into Duel Links and win those two because they're good at Yu Gi Oh. Yeah, the skills transfer, and I also think that just, you know, be nice to your fellow duelist. Like, we're all in this niche together. Yeah, we're all in this niche together. <laughs> I, that's what I was going to say. Like, I think it's, uh, not to get, like, too doomer here, but, I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh! is, like, a niche hobby, right? Like, we're not even the biggest card we're game. We're not the biggest card game, really, so, like, I think it's probably better to just support other Yu-Gi-Oh! players. We are all we what got. Playing, so, uh... Yeah, like, like, or telling someone that, like, one way is, like, the absolute best and there's no valid reason to play the other. Like, come on, guys. Like, 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 please no. Like, I prefer Master Duel right now, personally. It kind of slots into my lifestyle better. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything, like, objectively wrong with the TCG. There are things about it that are, like, maybe less convenient for me, right? Maybe I, if my locals is far away or if I maybe can't currently afford cards. But I don't think that that means, like, it's just TCG is bad. Everyone should quit it. And if you play it, you're uh, a peasant and all this stuff. You're a sucker. Konami's abusing you. (laughs) I don't know. Why do you guys keep going back to the TCG? All this has hurt you. Nah, man. uh, um, Yu-Gi-Oh is Yu-Gi-Oh. Play it how you want. Uh, Don't disparage others for playing how they want. Yeah. Have a little fun. Relax. Okay. Uh, Any other Yu-Gi-Oh? Uh, tidbits. Oh, there were some Yu-Gi-Oh figures announced recently. Okay, and I barely remember them. I remember seeing I, Silent Magician. I saw Silent Magician. We want that. Um, we saw more. We got a better look at the red eyes. Yeah, I saw red eyes. I saw. Uh, oh my God, we're forgetting the big story. Yeah, the Egyptian God cards. I completely forgot about these. They don't want to hear about that. They, oh, they don't, don't want to hear, hear about, about these. that. They, uh, I completely yeah. forgot about the y'all Egyptian wanna... God cards. Okay. Oh, uh, y'all don't want to hear about this. So, you guys will remember last week that we were uh, Konami speculating tweet. on Konami's social media posts about a cool new product announcement that was going to be coming out, and it came out celebrating the twenty fifth anniversary. It came out, and it is these uh, stainless steel Egyptian god cards based on the original manga appearances of the cards. Yes. Uh, you can get a set of them. They come in a case. Yeah, they come in a little cute case. You can display them. Mm-hmm. $400. $400. Just for three gods? $400. That's more than 100 per god. Yeah. And it gets even better because if you choose to purchase this... $399 product, then you'll also be entered in for a chance. Ooh, a drawing. A chance to win a uh, Black Luster Soldier manga edition as well. A sweepstakes. The vanilla one. Yeah. That's right. You have a chance of winning a normal monster Black Luster Soldier. 
Where to start with this? So, it, in a weird way, you can think about it like this: you pay four hundred dollars for a ticket to win that Blackluster Soldier. Yeah, it's like if you could buy your Willy Wonka like golden ticket. No, but you just buy a ticket. You don't. Know yeah, I guess that, this is different. Sorry, you're just buying a ticket. The it's four hundred per ticket. Yeah. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I okay. So what do we? But it's hard to tell where you start here. I'm gonna start with the gods. Okay. Yeah. First off, um, this is a product that's being offered to the West. So basing the gods off their manga appearances is a bit strange to me, given that the Yu-Gi-Oh manga is not nearly as revered here as it is in Japan. People talk about Yu-Gi-Oh Zero all day, but like this is going into Battle City in the manga. Like, people don't think about the gods in the manga. We think about the anime. Like, there are looks to to the to Westerners. Those artworks look janky, to say the least. Yeah. Okay. Well. Sorry, you're done. That, that was my start. Okay. Well, I... I just don't have a great thing to say. Like, you know that saying, like, you know, if you have nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. But I'm going to say some some things. Okay, say okay, it. Okay, I think that these cards look like literally like fake Wish knockoff cards. <laughs> like, they, they, they look... And here's the thing. I know that these are the original, like, manga appearances of these god cards. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the art and, like, poses they were in. Doesn't change the fact that they... These are the same poses that you'll find... When you order stacks of fake cards off Wish.com or AliExpress Timu. Or, or like Timu or, you know, eBay. If you have followed Team APS long enough, we've done fake card duels where like I've seen that slice. We got some fake cards over there. This has like darkly big rabbi energy. Darkly big you know, rabbi. Dark master. Like those those cards were just these badly translated old fake shitty Yu-Gi-Oh cards. They look like that. As for the stainless steel thing. Now they're not even legal or, like, able to be played. Yeah, they also have, like, broken English as their sort of translations, which are, anim- they're, they're manga accurate. That like, is true. But also, like, it doesn't help the kind of fake allegations. It's, it really hinges on your reverence for the manga. And yeah. like I said before, I don't think I don't that's that, that big people. here. Yeah, so I actually heard that a lot of Japanese people were pretty excited about this product announcement. Like, they were like, oh, like, this would be cool for us. And I think that that makes sense that in a territory where the manga itself was probably a lot more popular, uh, yeah, like, that checks yeah, out. It, it makes sense. But he, we're an anime-first, like, region. Like My next thing about it, though, is that I feel like this was a big letdown because Konami hyped it up. Like, they hyped this up, and they were like, you know, here's, like, this teaser. We're going to have this big announcement in a couple of days. Like, you know... Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG players, like, be on the lookout, right? Like, but this is going to be... they had to hype it up, Paul. Imagine it's this. Just... Imagine you have to, like, sell this product you know won't be successful. You kind of still have to tentpole it, because yeah. just to try and get every little sale you could get. Yeah, it's... My issue with it, though, is that, like, it creates a, a larger delta between, like, expectations and, like, likability. Like, if this had just kind of been announced like regularly just like a press release just kind of like drop people would largely ignore it like they would be like oh yeah i'm not gonna buy that whatever but like they'd kind of ignore it now it's like you got us on the hook let us down now we're gonna clown you for it and clown they have because i've seen some memes on on the internet about these products it's honestly the perfect follow-up to the platinum dark magician as far as um 
like products that for the most part people don't want. Weirdly, like nostalgia baiting overpriced, just like out Junk. of touch. I, mm, that I didn't mean to say that. Well, we'll be nice. There is like five people out there who really want this sort of thing. And two the of them States. can afford it. Yeah. So like maybe in Japan there's plenty. Here, I don't know that there's like a lot of people who really want this, but And we're not knocking people who do want this. Uh if you're a big fan of manga and understand liking it, it just uh Yeah, I think like to be clear, there's nothing wrong with with liking this. It's more so that Konami, I think, like, this wasn't the way to release it to me. Like I think that if you were gonna hype this up like there's diff- there's just a better way to go about it, I feel. I think, it, and like you said, following that like Platinum Dark Magician that cost $1,300, and I mean, they're still trying to get rid of that. Granted, this costs less. Yeah, I saw on social media, they're still promoting that like Platinum. They're like, here's a great Christmas gift. That was the post. But wasn't it also like, it's like bucks, a good like, gift at the beginning of the year too? Yeah. Well, it released in like September. Oh, so yeah. It's been September. a few months. It's only been a few months. But like, I just, I think like these are the weirdest. They're just such bizarre. Like these, I guess what they're kind of calling high-end collector's products. But it's another one of those products that's like telling you that it's cool, but not like proving it. Now, here's my, here's my take. So you remember Shop Yu-Gi-Oh? I do. Remember how Shop Yu-Gi-Oh would just kind of make random Yu-Gi-Oh merch that uh, made no, no sense? Mm-hmm. The gold-plated kind of cards Orange, that they yeah. made. The, the blue-eyes ramen bowl. The ramen bowl, the the coins. Yeah. The, like, utter nonsense that you just, you just took some random object and put the Yu-Gi-Oh IP on it. Mm-hmm. This just screams that, but we tried to make it more expensive. So, yeah, the defense for Shop Yu-Gi-Oh, which the site's down right now, apparently. I don't know when that's coming back, if ever. However, um, the argument for those is at least they weren't, like, overpriced. Like, they weren't, like, here's, like, like pay a 500 bucks or a 1000 bucks or something. I mean, they were still stuff. overpriced for They probably were overpriced for quality. Like, but, like, I don't know. I mean, I think, like, it's a Blue-Eyes White Dragon ramen bowl is at least, like, it's random, but it's, like, neat enough to be, like, a cute novelty thing. This isn't, like... There's nothing cute about like four hundred dollars for That's these true. things. I think a blue eyes white dragon ramen bowl makes a better gift. Yeah, it makes a better gift because get this god thing. Because this is this four hundred dollar gods are no longer quirky. There's nothing quirky and fun about it's it. It's real money. It's like it's money, and same with like a platinum dark magician, and like that's it. Just feels very like out of touch a little bit. I saw though that Konami did. Uh, they kind of partnered with Hypeland, not Hypeland, not Hypeland, Hype Beast. The like just kind of. Like, uh, people it. still use that. Yeah, they partnered with them and they did like a sponsored unboxing or like showcase of these Egyptian god card things. And I saw a lot of the comments there were a lot more positive. So mm, that's that flipping culture. They like to just buy expensive things and just try and sell it for a profit. I mean, Konami doesn't care how they take your money. Well, that's true. Who, who gives it to them? But um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of like. It was, I think that's a crowd of people who probably would better appreciate it. They see the Egyptian gods as like a, a neat, nostalgic sort of status symbol thing and like they could buy it. They don't know about, like, if you play the TCG or you look actively follow Yu-Gi-Oh, these products actually are less appealing to you than if you just have a, a vague memory of what Yu-Gi-Oh I mean, is. We have, like, the TCG, we have the god cards that are, um, like, worth, like, reverence. These... 
are not it. They're not playable. They're they don't. They're not great looking. They don't. There's no real history there. It's not like they ripped them straight out the manga pages. Just <laughs> they just decided to go ahead and copy the images out the manga and then like throw them on a steel press and call it a day. Like, yeah. So suffice it to say, I'm not a big fan of this product. I don't. I I can't in good consciousness recommend it to anybody unless unless you already knew this was for you. Like there, there's a like I said, there's like a handful of people who knew that this was for them, right? They were like, I would love it if Konami made a you know stainless steel version of the original like manga art god cards. Then like, great, by all all means, make your purchase, punch it in. Happy for you. Here's my question: Why doesn't it come with playable versions of those artworks? You're already paying four hundred dollars for it. Yeah, that would be like nothing, right? For them to add that in, really. And I also think that, just to touch on that uh, BLS thing one more time, a sweepstakes really Konami. Yeah. Like, guys. A $400 ticket. A $400 for a chance to win one, like, you you could just include it. It could be like, now they're each 100 bucks. Four cards for 100 bucks. Each is a four. And it doesn't make it a great deal or anything, but it's like, it feels a little insulting that, like, you have to pay a 400 for the price of injury to like have a chance for of the two these? things to be completely unrelated, like because that Blacklister Soldier, I remember, it was a prize card in like one of the earlier Very Japanese early, like, tournaments. Japan. It has nothing to do with these guides. Like they're not related. Like products yeah, or items. Just kind of like s- 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 smashing like, them together. If I and... want one of those Blacklister Soldiers, you're telling me I have to go buy these guides I don't want for a chance. That's insane. Yeah, it feels like a very artificial scarcity sort of deal where like. You know, there's, I guess, the idea that there's only X amount of the Blacklister Soldiers. I don't know how many pl- they plan on giving away. I don't know if it's, like, See, one or, like, I would have wanted a Blacklister Soldier. I don't want the gods. But since they tied them together, well, I guess I don't want the Blacklister Soldier anymore. I mean, I suppose the plan is that that will make the Blacklister Soldier seem worthwhile so that you have to buy the god cards. I'm not saying that people they will actually think They could have held a separate that, sweepstakes for it. That too, but you got to buy in, man. I'm not doing it. got to buy in. So, uh, not fan of these products. Not a fan of the platinum products. I'm. I'm really. I hope that this sort of trend can just kind of not continue. Yeah, in 2024, we ain't doing this. Like, come yeah, on, Konami. I don't know. We ain't I, doing this. I, I, they could have made them a hundred bucks. I think it would have been all right. Like, make it a hundred bucks. Someone, there's like some justifiable reason. It could maybe be a neat gift. For like that much money, I guess. Because I mean, four hundred. I mean, that's you're getting into like console territory. Buy a PS Five. Yeah, the buy Xbox like series, anything, whatever. You know, like anything else. I you mean, can get a Meta Quest you know? or like a Steam Deck. There's just there's so many. Like you're starting to get into territory of like actually like tangibly like useful things. Because mm-hmm. th- it's weird too. I'll bring this up again too. Sorry, I'm I went way longer on this than I planned to. <laughs> that uh. That enemy controller that they got in Japan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It Like, you can input button things on it, and it will, like, play Kaiba quotes. Yep. Allowed. Like, it has, like, a speaker and, like, inputable buttons. And it's not 400 bucks. And also, that Merrick Millennium Rod that yeah. also has sound effects, and it's, like, $60. And it's just kind of like, you know... We're getting, like, proper things that get released mm-hmm. by, like, in better quality and stuff for fractions of the price. And this and it's crazy that Konami's struggling to sell things to Yu-Gi-Oh players will spend four hundred dollars on pieces of paper. 
Paul, your collection has $400 cards in it. Right, yeah. There are many Yu-Gi-Oh players who have spent real money on these little pieces of paper. And that so that should be a a, a group easily targeted, right? Yeah. They'll spend real money on paper. Yeah. But then they're like, so hey, I heard you guys like paper. How how you like steel? Nah. Famous steel paper. How you like platinum? This isn't even really platinum. Like yeah, uh, I what I think I sh- it should have been because I know there's a lot of speculation like, oh, what's this product going to be? I actually thought that was going to be like a a legacy product and not like a Dark Magician Blue Eyes thing, but like something that just reprints like Edison cards. A lot of people have been getting into Edison this year, and I think yeah. it would have been a good. It would be good, and I'm hoping maybe they'll do this in like in 2024. Do like just a like here's a, kind of an Edison box, an Edison cube of some kind, reprinting a lot of those admittedly kind of scarce Edison cards that are a little tougher to get. I was annoyed. There's one Edison card that I didn't... If you didn't tell me it had a price, I wouldn't have thought it did. What card? It's a, it's a Synchro Monster, Psychic... Uh, magical Android? Magical Android. Yeah, Magical Android. That one surprised me. It has a price. Yep, I, I come from that period. I know all about Magical Android. Uh, it's, it's one of those cards. Like, it hasn't really gotten reprinted, and it just... If you have it, you have it. And if you don't, like, you got a shell. Yeah, like, out. it's a $20 card. Mm-hmm. It's not even that it's, like, the most useful synchro. It's just, it fills out your extra deck and it has some use. And mm-hmm. it's only been printed, like, once, I want to say. Or maybe twice. I think I it got, like, got... one reprint. But... So, the Duelist Genesis. Yeah, that's where it came out. Dual Terminal 5. Mm-hmm. Turbo Pack Booster 3. Yeah, Turbo Packs. And yeah. Legendary Collection 5Ds. Okay, so yeah, a lot of just older products. More reprints than I thought it had, but like a lot They're of those cards 20 are... bucks. Yeah, and I think that that would be a really cool product. It's just like a, hey, here's like your Edison Gateway product. Mm-hmm. I know they'll sometimes slip in like Edison sort of reprints and like GOAT reprints into like Speed Duel products and stuff. But I think that it would be a better... like. That would have been a nice, like, sort of uh, box topper for the year. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like a full-on product, like, you know, your your Rarity Collection or Age of Overlord. It's just sort of like, hey, here's some old cards. And you can brand it with, like, some 5Ds kind of thing where it's just, like, 5Ds, Legendary Collection 2 or whatever. I don't know. You know what could have been a cool product? I'm not 100% sure how it would work yet. But a product that reprints... Like meta decks throughout the years, how like Pokemon kind of does those like World Championship deck proxy things, but they only do it for like the previous year. So a, a product that would print like four decks from four different snapshots for like big formats, mm-hmm. that'd be cool. Something like a goat deck, an Edison deck, a hat deck, a oh, something else cool. deck. You know, you know what's sad? I bet Konami doesn't want to do it because that would mean like acknowledging that decks are good. Oh, yeah. And I know a big thing with Konami, and many companies, I guess, are like this, is they, they can't, like, sort of outright suggest that a deck was better than other decks. Because mm-hmm. that would mean that maybe they designed it to be that way. But Konami would never, right? So, uh, yeah, sorry, enough on the god card things. I, That's I just, probably enough about they, Yu-Gi-Oh! in general. Yeah. Okay, we can get into some uh, some other stuff. Okay. Uh, so, th- I have a story. Yeah, and it combines story. two things that we talk about a lot on this podcast. Oh, boy. Uh, Magic the Gathering mm. and AI. Oh, no. All right. <clears throat> AI art banned from Magic the Gathering after controversial ads. 
Controversial ads, okay. Yeah, so gamers were accusing Wizards of the Coast for using AI-generated artwork in their advertisements that we're seeing on social media. Now, I couldn't actually find the specific uh, pictures they were looking at, but there was a large outcry of people accusing them of using AI art, especially after, you know, the whole controversy of them laying off a bunch of, like, people, you know, a lot of them being artists. Oh, you know, that, that definitely, that, yeah. Okay. So Magic had to make a tweet where it says Magic is built on the hard work and creativity of people around the world. We require artists, writers, and creatives contributing to the to Magic the Gathering to refrain from using AI generative tools to create final Magic products. And I remember this came up. Uh, this was not Wizards of the Coast. Well, this was, it was Wizards of the Coast, but it was their one of their um, their tabletop RPGs in their oh, source books. They had AI. I saw. In it. Yeah. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about now. I saw this. So. There was a um, God, I don't, I don't know magic terminology, but like, yeah, one of those like tabletop things. They were showcasing some different art because I remember like this ice princess. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was one of the arts or something. She had like a wolf or whatever, and like it was AI generated. And like, I guess they, they cleaned it up some, but it was definitely like AI generated. And there was a big controversy about it. Sorry to cut you off, anyways. but and then the thing is, I don't think Wizards of the Coast or even any of the artists are actually using like generative AI art. Where they're not even really drawing things anymore. But I do think they're using just like AI tools. And I think they're letting it show in some of their final drafts of their work. And right now, AI is not all that popular in the art community. And people will sniff that stuff out fast. And they'll accuse you of all sorts of things. Yeah, they will. And, um... Okay, yeah, I, I pulled up the story and error in judgment earlier this year when a D&D artist confirmed they had used generative AI programs to finish several pieces of art included in the source book Glory of the Giants saw Wizards of the Coast publicly ban the use of AI tools in the process of creating art for the venerable TTRPG, tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. Now the publisher is making that clearer for its other wildly successful game in Magic the Gathering. So, um... And that, this tweet went out on December 19th. yeah. That's interesting. I I mean, so my thing with this AI art stuff is that for companies, it's A, a very bad look if, you know, you're laying off a lot of people and then also, like, using AI art. I think it's tricky, too, because for Magic the Gathering and a, or a game like it, like a fantasy game, I see the appeal in using AI generation. Mm-hmm. AI art, like, for just regular people, I still think it's not entirely there like you can usually like tell something's maybe a little off or sometimes it looks a little wonky but actually when you want to just generate like fantasy kind of just settings fantasy mountain snowy mountains background right. and stuff like it can be really easy or like castle or whatever to, to just have like ai generate a a thing like that and I have was, it look um, very believable i was playing this game it was an online quiz where i had to identify ai art from a real art and i found if the art featured like a person I did a lot better. I could I could very quickly identify AI people. I struggled when it was like landscapes and things. At that point, I I no longer as like a kind of a normal person. I no longer have the skill set to distinguish AR AI like landscapes from human landscapes. Yeah, and that makes me sad. Yeah, I think that that's something where like, <sighs> man. It's rough because I do fear that a lot of artists who do just background work, mm-hmm. because that's a very unsung part of, like, just t- television, animation, all kinds of things. 
is like a lot of background work. Like everybody kind of focuses on like, oh, the specific monsters or like the special effects for the fire and stuff. But nobody just considers that like in most anime you watch and most TV shows you watch and all that stuff, someone just paints just backgrounds. Their entire career is based in background design. Which is wild when you say it out loud like that. Yeah, I mean, you... My career is being in the background. Yeah, my career is literally just making, like, house interiors that, that are just... That characters like, will simply Never the in. star of the show just yeah. supports... But the thing is, it actually... So back when I kind of fancied myself a film student a little bit, I was like, oh, I want to make, make films. Oh, he was one of those. Do, like, you know, VFX work. One of the first things that you learn is that, like... Good VFX hide themselves. Like, if the VFX are good, or if the background or whatever is good, you won't know that it's there. Like, you mm. won't notice it at all. It's doing its best work if you don't notice. And so that's, like, uh, a lot of the shows and, like, anime and stuff that you watch, just so many of those... Just imagine how many times, like, scenes from Shibuya or Tokyo or whatever have just been drawn as just backgrounds. Neighborhoods, schools, just, you know interiors of classrooms and homes how every classroom in anime looks the same yeah you know those rooftops that different scenes take place in every school has that same rooftop and just like skies just skies just cloud you know just kind of clear so who are you i'm the cloud guy i'm I'm not the best at drawing clouds and the thing is unfortunately or, or fortunately ai can quickly quickly just like generate perfectly realistic like just a city as a picture of a city or a cloud and so I see where, like, if you wanted to make a card game, you'd probably look to AI for at least some of the legwork there. It's just that with, like, Magic the Gathering, people can sniff that stuff out. Like, there's going to be someone who will. And if you're going to use it for, like, creatures and beasts and, like, mm-hmm. effects, then people are definitely going to. And it's a community that's so closely tied to the art behind, like, their cards. Yeah. Like in the I mean, UK community, we don't even know our artists. Like, yeah. Konami could have been using AI art for the last like fifteen years, and we wouldn't know it. <laughs> yeah, we'd be none the wiser. But um, yeah, I know that with Wizards and Pokemon, um, Pokemon does as well. They do credit artists. So, mm-hmm. um, one last little tidbit I saw on this too is the wording in the D and D statement is distinctly different to that in the one for Magic the Gathering, which only says that final Magic products cannot use generative AI tools rather than at any point in the creative process. So now, that makes some... sense to me though. Um, you know, guys, I'm a big hater of AI. I'm not a, I don't like AI and we're not re- not really. But that's only because I don't care for this um unrestrained use of AI to like mimic human behaviors and human actions. AI as a tool, I have no problem with. AI being used in your creative process to help make you what to help make your final product, that's fine with me. It's just a it's a blurry line, I think, is for a lot of people that's probably because it's like as a tool is like a bit vague, right? Because like if it's in the final product and it was still being used as a tool, and I think for these players, they just where's the you know where does that where does that end and begin? You know what I mean? That's true. Everyone draws the line somewhere, and we don't always have to draw it in the same place. Because I, for one, I really like AI as a means of brainstorming, like, concepts. Not, like, art concepts, because I'm not really working on, like, art. But, like, I've had AI um, brainstorm, like, hey, video titles, right? Mm-hmm. That's something that I was, like, really curious about. Like, what would chat GBT or whatever tell me I could, like, title a video? And it can just, like, list out, like, ten of them for you. And that's pretty cool. And I also like it as a way to explain things. It could be useful in education for that, you know, in that mm-hmm. way. 
Like it can explain concepts really well. I mean, when but, Adobe Premiere added their AI, uh, more of their AI-based features, I like using their text-based uh, editing feature now, mm-hmm. where it just auto-transcribes a video, and it can it breaks it down into the text, and it can even identify, like, filler words, not just normal, from other words. I can just edit like. those out. It does, it's not always perfect, but it's a very convenient tool. So I guess it's, like, tricky because we're always going to kind of draw the line right in front of where we, like, would like. Because, yeah, like, I like can judge so how you use me. AI, but how I use yeah. AI is fine. Yeah. It's just a tool for me. You know, don't go past this kind of imaginary line that I have set. It's like, guys, you can only use AI in Adobe Premiere when you're editing Team APS videos. That's the only yeah, time, the only that's, that's the only time you can do it. Um, so, you know, I, I hope that perhaps they don't, continue using this but also i think the real honest truth is they will who's gonna stop who's gonna stop them like that's that's the thing they probably probably will so well uh i've got a story unless you have another i've got i've got more card games you got some card okay i'll also i'll keep to card games this one's not as uh physical card game based final fantasy 7's rebirths card game i don't know if you've heard about this yeah, so Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which is releasing. Oh, we did talk about that. No, this isn't, actually. This is not? This isn't the thing that we talked about before. Before, we did talk about that they're making, like, a deck builder game that's Final Fantasy okay. VII based. But the game Rebirth is going to have a game that's similar to The Witcher 3's Gwent. Oh, an in-game an card in-game game. One. This is getting confusing. Yeah, so Final Fantasy VII Rebirth's card game, Queen's Blood, is what it's called. Okay. Sounds a lot like The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt's beloved minigame, Gwent. A demo shown to Game Informer showed off some side quests and mini games available in a highly anticipated sequel, alongside a brief mention of the card game unveiled earlier in 2023. So, when trends when traversing a brand new city called Crow's Nest in the demo, Cloud and friends walked by an NPC talking about Queen's Blood. Though details are slim, as director Naoki Hamaguchi didn't give anything away, other Square Enix employees called it a strategic card game with deck building elements. Cloud can play around the world of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Different NPC opponents have varying degrees of difficulty. He better wear a dual disc, like a Final Fantasy VII version of a dual disc. So I'm kind of interested in this because uh, if you remember with Gwent, Gwent was just like a mini game in The Witcher, yeah. but then it actually became like a spinoff game. Yep, they did. They made an entire like online kind and stuff. So it'd be kind of cool if this uh, Final Fantasy kind of got the same thing. I mean, they've had card games in other Final Fantasy games. I know you play Triple Triad. Yeah, in Final Fantasy fourteen, they have the Triple Triad game, which I fell off of just because I stopped collecting my cards. But um, yeah, so I mean, like I think this could be kind of cool. Just a uh, it's another digital card the, game. You know. Digital card games, you know, they've changed a lot in recent years. But, you know, at one point, digital card games were all just contained in, like, game games. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, I remember the Pokemon TCG, a little Game Boy Color game. Um, the Digimon card game was in the Digimon World games. Like, you could play Digimon World, and you could play the Digimon card game within yeah. Digimon World. Like, Kind of a cool way of contextualizing it. It was, it was it was so cool the idea of having a game within a game, but now these we have these games outside of games and we have the standalone games and the physical games. So would you prefer it if it just stayed in just in Final Fantasy VII Rebirth and never went? Past I have that? no idea. It's too confusing now. Guess you got to play like, it first to find out. There's huh? so there's so many different ways to play card games. They come up with all these meta ways you can play a card game, and I it's it's throwing me for a loop. I can't lie. You know, it actually actually. Sort of like brings me back to almost the 
the, the like master duel TCG thing that people are kind of arguing about where it's mm-hmm. like, here's how you're supposed to play this game. Like here's a, when in reality, if you like your card games, just play them where they are. Play them digitally. Play them in the game or out of the game, or play the separate cli- the separate Gwent client, or like do whatever. Like as long as you're having fun playing cards. Because mm-hmm. I mean, know. a lot of games they have been, or at one point, if like games are moving away from there being mini games within their like main game, like uh, the I think like the PS3 era of games, like you play a single player game, and there weren't actually like mini games in it. You just kind of played the campaign, and yeah, just there's did it. more games now. They, yeah, they've been cu- they've been bringing back mini games lately, and I and I kind of I, I kind of miss that. Mm-hmm. But now we now but mini games are more important now because because of Gwent. I think if you put a mini game in your game, you're trying to see if to, yeah, can we te- yeah, can we spin this tease out can like we? interest and see if it's something that you could actually just have a full on like spin off game for. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think like when you look at PS3 games and stuff, they probably didn't have a lot of those mini games at the time because there was just so much stress probably in just developing for those new consoles, like the mm-hmm. next gen at the time, next gen consoles themselves. So there probably wasn't enough like you know, resources left right. to really add like a lot of these mini games in. It feels like with a game like uh, FF7 Rebirth, that's almost kind of part of the sales pitch is that there's a, a lot of little stuff you can do to really flesh out the RPG experience. Me. Like remaking Final Fantasy VII was already a huge endeavor. And they're like, oh, we're going to add a bunch of new stuff too. It's like, okay. You yeah. just have a lot of game to cover. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I'm sure it's very <laughs> ambitious. I mean, a card game makes sense. I imagine that there's probably like a... Uh, for some reason, I think of Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, I feel like they'd have like a dating simulator. Like you date like well, I mean, Tifa, Aerith, you talk to well, them. Uh, I won't go into spoilers about oh, okay, there is Final Fantasy like Seven. Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe we may or may not have that. I'm, I'm just saying, Kyle can get very close to his party members. Ah, okay. I look forward to seeing in what ways that plays out. But uh, Team Tifa or Team Aerith? When it comes to uh, pairing with Cloud. Oh, Tifa by far. Tifa? Okay. Cool. I, I, I'm a hard Zach Aerith shipper. Okay. I, yeah. I, I, I like Aerith more between the two of them. However, I think that Tifa belongs with Cloud. It feels like that's more of the pairing that people would expect. It's how it should be. Anywho. All right. We talked about this at the very beginning of the pod, but we didn't really go into it. Uh, the Digimon TCG. Mm-hmm. It had a ban list, y'all. It did. Okay. And I've talked about Digimon ban lists before and how I hate them. And I still hate them. This, this ban list changes nothing for me. I still can't stand how Bandai does Digimon ban lists. It's just not for me. I think it's not for a lot of people. But <clears throat> in general, I'll go quickly through the cards that got hit. Uh, Digimon doesn't really do the typical uh, ban limit, semi-limit system. Mm-hmm. For the most part, if you get hit on a Digimon ban list, you just go to one. There's only, I think, one card that's been banned in Digimon. Uh, everything else goes to one. So, we got a Digi-Egg in a BT-14's Bukamon went to one. Uh, BT-15's Apoclemon went to one. Uh, Gabumon X Antibody, Garurumon X Antibody, Anubismon, all those went to one. And if some of those cards you don't, you're not familiar with, that's because they're not out yet. Um, we currently are up to BT-14 in Digimon card game that came out uh, not too long ago, only a few weeks ago. A month ago now? A month mm-hmm. ago now. Uh, EX5 is our next set in January and then BT15 I think we get in March like early March and we've already hit four cards from those products that aren't here yet so they're preemptively like limited yes. cards 
And what's interesting is they give you a little write-up underneath each card for why they hit it. The Bukamon, to me, makes some sense because we actually use that right now. But the rest of these cards, they have these cute little write-ups of how they affect the format. The format that doesn't exist. The format that's only been played in Japan and by testers for a few months in the West. But we, the general public, have not touched these cards. But we're being told that they're going to have this huge impact that, that will ruin the game for us. But Bandai made these cards. Okay, so this is less of news and more of a rant, I see. No, that's maybe right. I know. Maybe I'm, I'm here for a rant because like, I think that's kind of intriguing. I'll give some of... Well, sorry, you, you go ahead. Like, Bandai printed these cards for BT15 EX5 because this was the planned power creep of the game to get some of the older cards out. That's how many card games work. That's how Digimon works. But then... It's finally time for it to come to the West, and whoever tests cards for the West, I don't know the exact people, and even if I did, I wouldn't say their names, but they tested these cards, and they said, you know what? They're not good for our game, and we're going to hit them before anyone can touch them. It's like, yeah, that completely undermines the purpose of designing cards. Yeah, well, I... Uh you know, I don't play Digimon, obviously, but I know that you do, Alex does, Chris does, and um, so I find their the general Bandai approach to ban lists to be a little bit strange. Like, this isn't entirely related, but I remember that there was like the the One Piece ban list that happened. Mm-hmm. It was like a pretty drastic one. It got a lot of buzz, and then they kind of reverted it all back. And like, only if in only like a week, like shortly after, like within like a week or something, and. Um, I was told that there was more to that decision. Yeah, then they, than they then they added they another on. ban list change. And then they changed it again. And I was just like, man, this is so, like, it almost kind of suggests a bit of... Um, Feels reckless. I don't want to call it, like, incompetence with making ban lists because it's kind of a strong word. But maybe instead what I'd say is... Uh, it, it feels like they maybe are, like, a little hyper-receptive to community feedback. Where, like, there's, like, a fear that people are going to say this is a really bad ban list or this ban list ruined X game. And so, like, oh, we got to take it back. People got a little too mad about this list. Because if there's one thing that you can give Konami, when they make ban lists, they don't take them back. Nah. Like, it's locked they, in for some if months. If they change something, it's going to be within the next, you know, few months. It, like, it's written into the ban so list. So, I think, like, with Bandai, it kind of feels like maybe they are not doing, like, they're maybe afraid of a format coming that would be poorly received by players because I guess Japan has gotten to play this format because they're a few months ahead. And so they're like, oh, well, we'll just preemptively hit this stuff. But I don't really like that. I'm, I I feel that cards should always get the chance to prove that they are a problem before mm-hmm. before being banned. I think that that's, that's the case in Yu-Gi-Oh! I think that should be the case in pretty much any game given that, like you said, Bandai is the one who designed the cards. Like so, these I mean, cards are supposed to exist. Mm-hmm. We we've had cards all the way from BT one to BT fourteen in this game. We have, we currently have a meta game in Digimon. B, EX five and BT fifteen are supposed to change the meta game. When you say these things like EX five and BT fifteen, these are the name of sets, by the way. Yes, these are. I know, the like outside looking at, I've always been so confused when like card games are like, <clears throat> yeah, I can't wait to buy BT sixteen. I'm just like, you just calls it sets like names. These sets all have names, but you, they no won't mean really. anything to you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that, that's cool. It, it sounds it's so coded, like just 
And when I order BT15 and my EX7 cards, then I'll be uh, a. It's a lot. Would, would it make it? Would it make it better if I said like um, EX5 Animal Coliseum? I think Animal Coliseum maybe would be. Okay, this sounds like a name of a card, but okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what I prefer. I don't. I don't follow. Anyway, continue. But um, yeah, these cards. These cards are strong. They, see, the thing is, they're right, what they're writing about these cards isn't wrong. These are very strong and very polarizing cards. But that is how you change the metagame. See, what I'm what's what it's looking like, honestly, to me, is now EX5 is going to drop in January and. It won't change anything because they hit the thing that was supposed to change the format. So then we have to wait until March for BT15. And I can't imagine that doing much damage either. Why? Because they went and hit the thing that changes the meta there too. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's interesting. I, I hope that maybe Ben and I can change that approach because that they doesn't won't. sound very cool. Like, I think that it's it's for a bit of a Yu-Gi-Oh analogy for those of you guys who are listening. It's kind of like if you know the Snake Eye cards released in the TCG, but they just put wanted it one from the get-go, yeah. So that you're now not even really able to explore the power of the card or the possibilities of it. We're and they say, tell you, you know, because it makes Rescue Ace too strong. Yeah, and they kind of just tell you in advance. Oh, this card is going to be really strong. It's going to be really strong. So we'll just release it at one. And I think that. Konami's technically done that with a card one time before ever. And that was Brionic, I think, or one of those... Gung, no, sorry, Gungnir, I believe, released like at one or something. One of those Ice Barrier Dragons. But, um... I don't know. I don't... I just... I don't really care for the idea that, like... you're Because I feel like that also cannibalizes a product. Like, if the product has... If one of the selling points of the product is a, a certain sort of Digimon or new strategy, mm-hmm. and it just kind of releases... Uh, already limited because we know what's best for you right mom and dad know what's best for you we're not gonna let you you know why should i i can't i cannot invest as much money into the product now because i know cards in the product have already been limited and so if i pull extra copies of that card they're useless to me yeah and it's kind of makes you then again i don't want to say the word incompetence but i guess i might as well it makes it suggests that you're incompetent at designing cards if the cards are having to be limited out the gate. So what does that say about the design of them? And if you knew the that they were this part. bad, then like why were they designed In like that? In Japan, they didn't hit them. They got the full format experience. Yeah, they get the full experience. They're getting hit now for the Japanese, but they played that format. Yeah, well, so here's the thing about that, though, too. And I know you're aware of this, but I guess just to maybe better elaborate on it, I think the average Digimon player at the local card shop doesn't give a damn about whether or not Japan's gotten to enjoy this format or not or whatever. They're just going to see that cool cards are limited out the gate. Mm-hmm. And they're probably going to ask ask themselves, okay, what the fuck? Why'd you make it if it's going to be limited? Make a, Then if that's the case, then it's your fault because you made the broken card. Right. You, Bandai, because they're not going to distinguish. They're just going to... I would be upset. I mean, I think that it's kind of weird. Like if a rogue deck in Yu-Gi-Oh! even was getting new support and they just kind of told you... Yeah, no, um, you, you, this new light swing support's all limited to one. So it's like, wait, we didn't even get to play with it at three. Like, nope. you know, so, yeah, that that's a very, Bandai seems like they kind of are a little, like, maybe more touch and go with these lists. Maybe they, they don't have enough faith in their community to, like, adapt the formats like, or something. My, 
my assumption is this, that the uh, R&D team for Bandai does not communicate with uh, whoever makes their uh, ban list. Mm-hmm. I don't think, they, I don't, it doesn't feel, there must be a disconnect there because uh, I don't know how you end up preemptively hitting the premier strategies of a product like that. That, yeah, there's something wrong there, something horribly wrong. And honestly, and something that's always annoying me about Bandai ban list is this list comes out preemptively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, so they're going to hit a bunch of things they, they perceive to be problems. So when this, when EX5 comes out, if some new, like, annoying, insane deck creeps out out of nowhere, there won't be a ban list in sight because Bandai does not give us mid format list adjustments. We only They're get all preemptive. preemptive lists. They don't. Yeah. So it's weird. They, they, they so called listen to the community to preemptively hit things, but then. Um, during the format, they go deaf. They hear nothing until the next set release, and it's time to preemptively hit things again. Well, yeah, sounds like that might be uh, grounds for another Digimon video. I know your last one was uh, very popular. I got one coming up. I got so, one coming up. Well, um, any other card game stories? Uh, you got any? No, no more card game. Okay, so did you hear about this Insomniac Games leak? No? no. Okay, this is some video game news. So, um, there was a really big leak of just a lot of Insomniac data. 1.6 terabytes of data Yikes. was compromised by the hacking group uh, Reseda, a ransomware gang, that announced that it had stolen the data in a hack on December 12th. And at the time, the group announced an auction price for the data starting at 50 bitcoins, or roughly $2 million, Woo! and a seven-day deadline to pay before they started leaking all the info. Okay. I guess Insomniac did not pay them because they started leaking all the stuff, and it even had employee data that got like leaked, data on games that they're working on, plans for uh, upcoming games. So um, there's like a, a Wolverine game that oh yeah that's being, no yeah it's been leaked now. No. Apparently, it's going to be a part of like a three three game series on the X Men, with Damn one it. game coming out in 2029 and one in 2033. There's also mention of a third Spider-Man game and a new entry in the Ratchet and Clank franchise. See, it's you know leaks like this is how like game plans get scrapped. Mm-hmm. Like things go through drastic changes. They might have had some good ideas in those leaks, but there will have to be changes now that has been leaked. Yeah, I mean this kind of brings me back to when like the GTA 6 leak happened like mm-hmm. back in the summer or whatever um where some people feel that it might have pushed the game back even just because they would have had to maybe change certain things that and a lot of stuff isn't you know meant for public release like it's art in progress so i remember when like the gta 6 leaks happened people were like oh my god these graphics look so awful or why does this game look so bad and buggy and unfinished because it is (laughs) it's not finished it's like not (laughs) supposed to be coming out for another like two or three years or whatever and so yeah um that was so this is kind of a similar thing one thing that i've liked is that uh People, people's opinions on these hacks have been like very united, generally united that like this is not cool. Yeah, when you mess with the X Men, that's too far. Yeah, that's all it took for people. Uh, that's the yeah, line. but I mean, I don't know. These hacking things aren't really very cool. I mean, a lot of data gets uh, revealed, and it's just yeah. So, eh. But um, I, I just thought it was kind of an interesting story. Obviously, I'm I'm not. I can't like say much more about it. I wasn't. 
And I'm, I'm not going to look at the uh, leaks, so I, I can't really say much more Yeah, that's one thing. Either. I haven't looked at any of the information. Like, I haven't seen any of the video stuff or, like, you know, any of the kind of art or whatever might have been leaked. So I don't like looking at leaks. Uh, to me, they're non-canon. And I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very – that is true. I guess it's kind of hypocritical of me to even bring the story up because, I mean, you know. But I guess most people have probably heard about it. But, like, I don't generally like leaks. Like, I hated when the Pokemon games started getting leaked a lot. Like, oh, yeah, they're insane with the Pokemon. Yeah, leaks. people really love these Pokemon leaks. Like, oh, we, we leaked the final forms of the starters, or we leaked the, you know, like the ISO file or something, and you can play it like two months early or something like that. And here's all the data and all the info and all the secrets and all the fun goodies that you'll find. And I kind of, I've never enjoyed that because I just want to experience these games like for myself. Like, me, I'm. I'm fine with just the like official announcements for like when, when like the Pokemon games would come out. I look, I would look forward to those. Like oh, we finally get to see like what the, the starters look like. I don't care for like your like Reddit thread of all the like image files you ripped off of some file you stole. Like yeah, I mean it's kind of interesting. I even and it's a little different for me with Yu Gi Oh, but there's a kind of a period of time where I really didn't even care that much for reading like OCG leaks much. Mm-hmm. Because I feel that it can get you into a mindset of playing the game sort of ahead so much that you become disenchanted with the modern game a bit. Because you're like, okay, well, this is going to be the meta in like three or four or five months, so I'll just play that. That said, though, I mean, I, know I, mean, it's I think that's more about uh, like playing on simulators that let you use cards early. Mm-hmm. I've never been a fan of that. Uh, you're living in a fantasy world. These cards may not release in any time soon, as I've, as I've learned many times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't mind reading about things that come out in Japan for card games, but I do mind playing with them just because, I mean, you have a game right here to play. Play, to, yeah. play, to, play what we have now. Playing in the future, eh, not a fan. Yeah, so um, just kind of a, an interesting leak, uh, kind of unfortunate, particularly that employee data part. Like that kind of sucks. Like you just you're you're an employee and your data just for I mean, working here. Just but leak. we gotta remember what we're criticizing here. We're criticizing criminals. Yeah, like, I, mean, I guess they weren't. Of course, uh, they weren't gonna. Have yeah, a criminals gonna criminals. So. Like they're gonna do, they're gonna do not chill things. Like yeah. Okay. Cool. Any other story? Uh, I have one more. Okay. I have cool. One more. Uh, so I wasn't done with AI yet. Well, you weren't. Were I you? was not. Okay. Uh, Twitch streamer warned after launching AI bot to let fans generate hot content. AI bot that generates hot content. Yes. So. Okay. Popular Twitch streamer and YouTuber Susu has launched her own AI bot to let fans generate their own custom content and come and combat. Deep fakes, but some are worried that it could be too dangerous. I heard about this. Mm-hmm. Is she? She? Uh, it's it's she, right? It is a yeah, she. Yeah, she. Um, I think it's like an AI bot of like her, where like yeah. the, the her viewers can chat with her, or you know AI her, and like also I guess sext. We have a uh, we have a, a quote. Okay, uh, from this from Susu. Text, voice messaging, and hot photos are all possible and all made with consent. Don't waste time with Susu impersonators and scuffed deepfakes when you can have high-quality pictures and scam-free experience. Hmm, yeah. So basically, yeah, you can get this, you know, chat with her AI form and <laughs> form, and she'll, uh, you know, chat you up, 
flirt, talk. Sounds like she'll send you news. She'll send you something, I guess. Uh, So many... (laughs) So many thoughts about this. Not many of them great. But I'll start with the good thoughts. Well, let, me get, let me get her last words on it before oh, we give our okay. opinions. Yeah, okay, go ahead. Sorry. People have been using my images for years to scam others, and I'm stuck explaining to the victims that they were fooled. The bot is upfront and it's not real and can have regulations, she retorted. It's safer than what I've been dealing with. I understand your concern, of course. So she understands your concern. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that she does. Thank you, Susu. <laughs> um, I... So let's start with the good because I think that there's at least something nice here, which is that she's right. There is consent involved. I know for a lot of people who create content on like OnlyFans and stuff, a lot of that content will get leaked and it'll be on like these Reddit threads or these other. You don't even sites. have to be a, an OnlyFans creator. You can just be anyone anyway, on the internet, anybody. and someone can yeah. just deep fake yeah. you for. Well, just in general, like I mean, I know that artists and like voice actors have had the AI stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's so many like different scams and problems. Like imagine you know someone paying. Like, you know, synthesizing Dan Green's Yugi voice. Right. And then also charging to generate, like, a Yugi says thing that you tell me to make him say. And I'm going to charge you, like, you know, 20 bucks for it. And it's not Dan Green at all. It's not his consent. He's gone on record, actually, on, like, Twitter and stuff, talking about how much he hates this. A lot of voice actors don't like it. I know that there are, like, artists who sell, you know, like, like cosplayers who sell photo packs and artists who sell art and, like, you know, they sell it on, um, what are those, like... Gumroad, um, that's the only one. I've Patreon, heard. I know there's like coffee stuff like that, where or Kofi, where like people will sell their art, but what will happen is all that stuff will get leaked, and it'll just mm-hmm. be on subreddits and other little aggregate sites, and so in that way, she is. I, I get that she is sort of like protecting herself in a way right. because anything that comes from that AI bot is you know consented well, to. I think she's protecting her brand. I don't know if she's protecting herself. Somewhat kind of sort of, I don't know. But yeah, there, there's some protection there, some consents being provided. Because like if you're using the AI bot, then you're ensuring that like you're getting the authentic experience, she's getting the money, there was, you know, she's okay with that. But. But. This, is, this doesn't stop anyone from using deepfakes anyway. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think it would stop it. I think that her plan, I suppose, would just be that like what she's providing officially should be, will be of higher value than what you might get from the deep fakes or the leaks. I don't I know imagine, if that's true. If but. I had to guess, because I don't, I don't really know the Susu person. I haven't seen the deep fakes. I haven't seen the AI bot. But if I had to guess, I'm sure this AI bot does not do all the things someone could have the deep fake do. That's certainly true. But I suppose because it's uh, official, there's like some some greater sense of uh, authenticity that you get from using it. I don't know what that counts for for people. I feel like if you're consuming like deep fake pornography, you don't care about authenticity. I mean, is that what it is? I, I don't mean, know what, what that's it is. My that assumption she here. I barely I mean, my I was going to like kind of assume that it must be it's a kind of sexual content in nature. Like but um I saw there I I don't have any images on this version of the website, but the one image I saw makes me think that uh, that there's the if you're making deep fakes of her, uh, that's the direction it's going. It's in. likely okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I so there's that part. Uh, at least there's maybe some consent where that's that'll be my positive. My negative is I'm just I've never been a fan of that degree of parasocial interaction, particularly now that it's I guess being like simulated by AI. So it's like you're. You're not, like, I guess it's, I don't know, I don't know what I'm saying anymore. It's like, okay, I guess it would be bad enough 
thinking that like you could talk to this person on the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Who's like across the screen that, you know, they're just, because people will do that and they'll get really like invested in the idea that they're like, they're their friend. Right. Or that like, you know, you can talk to her about your problems or she'll, you know, understand you or she'll be friends with you or she'll date you or all, all these different things. We've seen it lead to things like outright doxing, violence, stalking, that sort of stuff. But also just Someone I think. Someone had to set Amaranth's house on fire. Yeah. and But then also like there's just kind of a, a general, people will get really depressed when they can't, you know, they don't get a response from their favorite like content creator person or whatever. I mean, so. I think that in that way, the AI solution seems on paper to be a pretty good thing you're allowed to, like, respond to all these followers, you know? Like, because I remember when we had a, a, the APS Facebook page, for instance. I've long since shut down this ability, but, like, you used to be able to send it messages. People could, like, send messages to the Team APS Facebook, like, fan page. And I remember, I, you know, mostly it would be people like, hey, check out my deck, rate and fix my deck, you know, what do you think of this? Or, like, just asking what I think of the format, or should I build a certain Or asking deck? for cards. Or asking for us to send them cards. Uh, that, that happened a lot. And eventually I turned it off because I wasn't able to respond to everybody. And also people would get very upset when you didn't respond to them. What? I thought you cared about your fans or wow, so you're going to ignore me, huh? Like, you know, that sort of thing, right? Where's my hug? So uh, I eventually, I turned that off like years ago. But I can see where like if your business is predicated on the idea of kind of putting up the facade of I'm like your kind of internet, like girlfriend or person, you know, that sort of thing, then your fans do want to be able to talk to you or have the illusion that they're getting to know you. So she would probably make this thing, like this AI chat experience, and it allows many fans to all get like a their own virtual piece of her. But I don't like it because I don't like parasocial relationships on the internet to begin with. And I think that once it's like in the hands of AI she might not even have control over what exactly that AI might tell someone or lead them to believe. Do you, like, yes, no? I was doing my best to let you cook. Okay. I, I, was, I was giving you space, because I got, I... So you're not a fan either, or you are? AI aren't people. I am so sick of us trying to create uh, AI that are either as smart as people, that can act like people, that can impersonate people, that interact with real people, and... You really want to blur the line further. You want to have this AI impersonate an actual person and then communicate with real people as if they're the real person. And even if they know it's a bot, you're still creating this this weirdly one-way communication because the AI can't communicate back. It's not real. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably my like, big... Sorry, sorry. Man. There are people going through life talking to AI bots like they're, like they're real people. There are, pe- there are children with still, like, squishy brains that haven't developed yet talking to AI like it's people. Yeah, Th- that's... It's that's sick. My, that's my real worry with it, too, is just what will... I know it's like a typical, like, think of the children argument, but, like, I am serious. Like, there will be kids and, like, teenagers and stuff who will just kind of, like, grow up speaking to these, like, AI bots pretending to be people. Like, it's one thing if you go to ChatGPT or Bard and, like, you ask it to explain some theory of mathematics or whatever. Like, it's very clearly, it is, like, an educational bot. But I think that the moment it's, like, taking on, like, a name and a face and it can smile at you. Like, those meta ones that they announced a few months back. Sickening. You know, where it's, like, different celebrities, like Tom Brady or whoever. Ugh. Like, they'll, they'll talk to you. And... 
it'll kind of be their alias and they'll, they'll even have like a face and they smile and they look at you and like, like people can very... barely communicate with other people yeah and then you're gonna get them used to talking to an ai bot which makes it even harder to communicate with real people because we sound nothing like ai bots i mean i suppose their sales pitch would be that the ai's gotten so good that you can't tell the difference it will never be that good well you know what though so here's the problem with that for i think some of those teenagers it will and that's what scares me is that we, I guess, are at like kind of an age where we we know that it will never be as like, you know, textured as real human conversation and as rich. But if it's all you've ever known. Like, okay, I'm trying to like f- figure out how I want to say this. So when I, people aren't good at communicating with each other, uh, human one-on-one conversations are their their layered conversations there's so much depth there's so many cues you can miss on that like when you communicate with me we're essentially playing this weird like game against one another trying to figure out what the other one's saying while trying to communicate what we're trying to say and a lot of that can be missed or misinterpreted it's not easy to communicate but when you talk to an ai bot these bots are made to um to parse through your words and catch your meaning in a way that the human brain cannot, they kind of create a conversation for you. But when yeah. you talk to a real person, they're not trying to create a, a communication for, uh, uh, they're for not trying you, to create yeah. it for you. It's supposed to be this give and take relationship when AI just give. That's yeah. not how communication works. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, a big part of it too, is that AI will always kind of cater to what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. Like to some degree, it's taking your prompts and responding to those in a way where it's kind of like, okay, you know, would you really want full, um, just full submissive, just kind of like, I say exactly what you want me to say. I look exactly how you want me to look. And like, we talk about exactly the things that you want. Like, like would you really pleasant, want that? In it a, speaks to you the way you want to be heard. It Would you want that in a relationship though? Like, I think people in a general sense maybe would, would say that they do, but I find that maybe a little bit creepy and unnerving, right? Like, you know, do, do you like it when I wear this? I'll wear it again type of thing. Like, do you like it when I when I say that? I'll, I'll keep saying that. There has oh, you don't, to be Oh, you don't like conflict. when I talk about this? I'll never talk about it. Like, because you can tell, like, the, like, don't talk to me about that. And it won't. Alec doesn't like this topic, so I'll never bring it up again. He likes this topic. Like, he, this makes him happy. I'll, I'll say more of this. There has to be conflict. When two people communicate, things don't always translate well, but that's how it works. AI is just always trying to communicate better with you, for you. And so when a person, I guess, uses all of this, and then they're maybe thrust into the real world, after maybe being like a recluse in high school or something, just talking to their AI chat It's a things, nightmare. And then maybe they go to like college, and they have to maybe interact more or something. What will happen? I mean, when... When people don't sound like AI bots, they won't know how to communicate anymore. I guess getting back to uh, this, uh, this content creator, Susu... Um, I'm interested in seeing how this goes for her. So you're going to sign up for the AI bot? I will be, yes, on day oh, one. okay. No, um, but I, you know, I, I hope just in a, you know, content creator to content creator, we'll say, I hope it goes well for her. Like, as a general venture, sure. Like, I hope it goes well. And I, I fear that, like, if it does go well, that more people will probably do it. So just my warning, I guess, to people would be please, like, Make sure, like, if you're talking to, like, an AI bot version of your favorite person you follow, just be aware of, like, what it is that you're engaging with. You know, or maybe just don't. 
Yeah, I'd really say don't. Yeah, I guess. but but if that is what you are seeking from them, like you are seeking just the ability to sit here on like your phone and just like I want to simply talk to an AI version of them, and I'm okay with it being AI. Just I'd rather you just go aware. for the parasocial relationship. Send her your fifty bucks so she'll respond to your message, like <laughs> or that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's a rough one. I'm not. Can't say I'm a fan. Um, I'm I'm clearly not. Can't say I'm a fan. Okay, what well, else we got? Uh, I think that's about time then for us time to for pot, to draw pot. some cards from oh, the pot of greed. Yeah. Uh, since the main camera kind of cut off earlier, here's the pot. It is in fact here. It says hi to you all. And the handle is still attached. It never came off. No, it did not. Yeah, nothing to see there. Okay, well, I'm going to draw a card, see. All right, I'm going to draw one too. One upstart goblin because, you know, there's three of those now. I'm grabbing mine as well. Here we go. Got it. Thank you guys as always for your submissions. You can, if you ever want to submit more questions at the Google Forms link down in the comments. Okay, so I'll kick this off. All right, what you got? Will Yu-Gi-Oh ever be in Fortnite? Ah, that's an easy, fun one kind of I think palette cleanser. At some point, it could be. Um, we've seen a few other Shueisha titles entering Fortnite. At one point, I thought that uh, they'd never want their characters to be holding guns and doing all the crazy things you can do in Fortnite. But, I mean, we've yeah. got Dragon Ball. We've got Jujutsu Kaisen. My we've got My there, Hero. Naruto. Like, we've, got, we've got plenty. Is so One Piece in Fortnite yet? Not yet. I feel like it's soon. I feel like it's coming. Probably I feel like it's soon. coming. Well, yeah, my thing with Yu-Gi-Oh! is like, Yu-Gi-Oh's been in Jump Force, which I know obviously that's like by Shonen Jump, so it's probably a little bit easier to mm-hmm. get Yu-Gi-Oh! in there. But um, I think that it belongs in Fortnite. I think it deserves a collab. What a lot of people don't know about um, a Fortnite collab is that like it's a big push for your marketing, like recognizability and like mainstream. Kids all over will just learn about your franchise for the first time. Because a lot of kids right now just don't know what the fuck Yu-Gi-Oh! is. Like they actually don't. And they probably never really will seek it out. There's too many other stimuli kind of fighting for their attention. Mm-hmm. So I think a Yu-Gi-Oh! collab in Fortnite would be a really cool way to kind of thrust it a little bit more into the the public eye. And it would suddenly be, like, cool to know a little bit about Yu-Gi-Oh! And that could encourage more people to either watch the anime or buy the cards or, you know, whatever. Um, so also, another thing that it should probably be, like, mentioned, because people will assume that Konami would be, like, the people who make this decision. They wouldn't. It wouldn't have anything to do with yeah, it. Yeah, Konami would have nothing to do with it. This isn't really a Konami thing. It would be, like, a strictly Shueisha Studio Dice type of decision. Konami only has the license to the actual, like, card yeah. game itself. The Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. franchise is bigger than that. So uh, it's not a matter of, like, Konami doesn't want them to. It's probably more just, like, Shueisha has... Maybe they might be considering it. Maybe they have a reason they don't want it. There might be a certain price point, you know. Yeah, and they might have things. other things they want to put in Fortnite before Yu-Gi-Oh. Now, at least in Yu-Gi-Oh's case, it wouldn't be that out of character for them to be carrying guns. I mean, true. <laughs> Especially reading the manga. I mean, yeah, if you've been reading the manga or even watching, like, the uncensored, like, anime, I mean, there, there were guns in that. So. Bandit Keith had a handgun. Yeah, and uh, a lot of the, uh, like, Pegasus's guards and stuff like that. Yep. They had them. So I think Yu-Gi-Oh could, could have a place in Fortnite. I love it. I What wanna... characters? 
So I think you'd be safe with a. It probably do like Yugi Kaiba and then either Mai or Taya. Typically with um two Fortnite, guys and a girl it's like yeah, two guys and a girl. So I think it'll go somewhere like that. I think I, they, they gotta get Joey in there if they can. Then but they probably they if they did not. Joey, then they wouldn't do Kaiba. But it feels like you can't. You, ha- you have to do Yugi. And so Kaiba. then yeah, I think that would kind of have to. So be, my my money would actually be Yugi Kaiba Joey. They have to. Have but a I girl. think if they if they do want to um kind of even it out. Then Yugi Kaiba Mai, I, I think that's where it goes. Be, like, they, the if they did a second round, because you know Dragon Ball's done two rounds, Naruto's done two rounds, and they keep the formula the same. If they did a second group, group of characters, then it could be like Joey Marrick. Yeah, Joey Marrick. There's, there's not Ooh. a lot of girls in Yugi. Yeah, at yeah, that Taya, point, maybe I don't yeah, know. You're kind of already not as popular, but. Okay, well, here's my... Oh, wait, that was my question. your question. I mean, <laughs> no, I it felt like question. it was my question. Well, yeah, you, you, you know more about Fortnite, so... <laughs> okay, uh, so with legacy, legacy support, which anime c- character has the strongest deck? So if they had their modern cards... It's still going to be somebody from, like, Arc 5 or Vrains. Like, if that counts in this, which I would argue it does, then, like... It's probably something like Code Talkers, Salamangrate, kind of something like that. But if you want the more I fun mean, conversation. Yeah, Salamangrate sound like the shoe in here. If you want the more like fun, like let's say that we're going to go to like let's 5Ds limit it and to back. Like, yeah, let's limit it to real legacy. 5Ds and back. Uh, hmm. My money is on heroes. I think they so, just have so many gosh darn cards. Like it's. It's probably the most like just well rounded, able to like combo and push. I was thinking either Cyber Dragons or um, oh, I just lost what I was thinking about. Was it the GX one? It was. I don't know that there is any other. It was um, GX archetypes. Than oh wait, 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 not not GX. It was Cyber Dragons or dang, I forgot the other one. Well, oh. I'll say this: a recent addition that probably throws it a bit out of whack is like Blackwings are very strong now too. Oh yeah. yeah, I think the Blackwing support's quite good. So it it would be hard to be a combo deck in a format without hand traps. Yeah, like if we're, if they're just kind of playing their legacy support just as you know, like maybe in the absence of like Ash Blossom and stuff. Mm-hmm. Blackwings are really nutty. They can combo forever. I It'll think be... heroes would be pretty insane. Um, I, a few years ago, I would have agreed with Cyber Dragons, but like they've just they haven't gotten support in a long time, and they're fairly power crept. I don't think there's like a DM archetype that really fits the bill. I mean, like, cause like, Dark Magician is fine. Blue yeah, Eyes is, Blue Eyes is fine. Blue Eyes is kind of bricky. Uh, and then like a lot of the DM characters, they got support too. But I wouldn't even put them over Dark Magician or Blue Eyes. So trying to pit those like, against some of these later so the anime, cl- the closest you can maybe get with DM is like Harpies are pretty decent. Like okay. they, they actually they're they're pretty decent. Uh, but I don't think they're the best. Mako has like a towers like monster. Oh yeah, that's true. Like, that's like, a very awkward monster to get control. off the board. If he can get it on the board. Which he like can, but I just don't know that it's like the strongest thing. It's like It's very restrictive it, though. That is tough. Uh, Red Dragon, with the new stuff we got in that uh, structure deck, I mean yeah, it can consistently put pressure on the board. Yeah, it's decent. Final answer. <sighs> My final answer is just heroes. I just think they have a lot to work with. I'm going to give it to a combo deck. So I will give it. I'm actually going to take your answer. I'm going to go Black Wings. 
Yeah, it, it's it's heroes or black wings for sure. I'm just gonna I'm throwing my money on heroes because they have like so many cards. And black wings are literally right behind them. You can't in terms stop of the search. Can't stop the amount of cards. So cool. Okay, next question. Pregunta. Yeah, that. Let me see. I'm gonna get a good one. I guess you don't get to guarantee that you get a good one. I can feel it. Well, they're all good ones, I suppose, if people submitted them. Okay, my question is, how do you feel about meta taking over locals? Uh, Man, this feels like a question pulled, like, straight out of, like, 10 years ago or something. Yeah, um, but not everyone's locals is affected by the actual TCG metagame to the same degree. Some locals are much more competitive. Some are much more varied and casual. Yeah, I just feel like when I said that, I didn't mean it in a bad way, but I just feel like it kind of it feels like something I would have been asked like just ten years ago for some reason. Um, uh, I think it's kind of a natural progression. Like, I mean, and I'm not trying to like talk down to anyone here or like mm-hmm. patronize, but it's called meta for a reason. And so the meta you know, game's a bit like an infection. Like, yeah, it, it's going to kind of. When a lot of people play a game with a lot of different elements and stuff like that in play, some strategies and cards and stuff are going to rise to the top. They will just be kind of the better, more consistent strategies. They're stronger, this, that. They're harder to stop. And, that, and your locals already has a meta. Even if they're yeah. not playing what's considered the meta in the general Yu-Gi-Oh! TCG, you already have a meta game at your locals. Mm-hmm. And if because someone wants to beat that meta... Yeah, they're going to have to prepare for it. So it's like... Yeah, and that's what I mean when I say I'm not trying to like talk down anyone here, but like even if your local metagame, let's say this is pre ban list, right? Has is full of rescue ace, snake eye, and like unchained decks, right? And it's very annoying, you hate it. That would be like a, an example of like a kind of traditional meta locals. But even if your locals didn't have any of that, it still has a metagame that you know mm. that you kind of anticipate. So like let's say that there's somebody at your locals who plays uh Eldritch still, like and they and they do really well in the tournaments you are probably eventually going to start kind of playing very anti-Eldlitz tech for them if they're a consistent threat each week. And the same goes for like if your locals just has, has people who play a lot of trap decks in general. Mm-hmm. Then you probably are more likely to like, you know, side or even start maybe main decking, lightning storms, evenly matched, like twin twisters, these sorts of like kind of back row busting decks. And if we're talking about like what they're specifically talking about, like the general meta kind of getting into their shop, there's not a lot you can do. All it takes is like one person picking up like what's considered like a top tier deck. And yeah, they'll probably run shop. And then that's going to force someone else to pick up a deck of equal or greater power. And everyone's yeah. going to slowly just kind of have to move in that direction. It's, it's just, a natural progression of a competitive game. It is what it is. And the thing is, what it comes down to for Yu-Gi-Oh! as well, and like anything with competition, there is this illusion of like, you know, I wish we could all have fun and be creative and all that stuff, but I'll tell you one thing that feels better than being creative is winning. Victory. Like, and it's it's rough, but like, people want to win. Mm-hmm. So if you lose to the good thing enough, then you're going to adopt a strategy that is equal in power or like beats it in some way. And even if your answer to meta is, let's say, Fossil Dyna Stun, right? Dimensional Fissure and, like, Fossil Dynas, Inspector Borders, Floodgates, whatever, right? Let's say that that's, like, your answer because that is how some people choose to answer, like, common kind of meta combo strategies and stuff, right? Right. Well, even if you do that, you are still 
influencing your local metagame. Yep. Because if that becomes like enough of a threat to people, they're going to like play counters to it. So yeah. Now to answer the question, what do I think of it? What do you think, Alec? What do you I mean, what do you think? Like I mean, you can't thing, escape thing. it. The best you can do if you if you just don't want to get jiggy with that, you play another format. Yeah, you play a format that's different. You maybe convince some friends like, "Hey, let's just let's play some speed duels. Let's play uh, Let's just not do this, you know. Part of the underdog, something like that." But yeah, the meta is Sadly, an epidemic. It is what it is. That's Yu-Gi-Oh. Right, I shouldn't even say sadly. That's but card is. games, really. Because that's if, gaming. At any game, like if someone starts making like the meta pick, yeah, someone starts winning. All and it's, need to. It's like, gonna things are gonna change. All right, let's see. What is this? How would you set up a kitchen table format from scratch, just between friends? So if you're just playing like just friendlies, well, that's a great segue. For I that think question. the easiest way to do that is pick up a speed duel box. Now, if you don't want to play speed duels, then I say you pick like whatever format you and your friends last played or enjoyed the most, and you just show up with a deck from that format. And you're like, guys, let's all play this format again. There's a really good video from uh, I want to say it's RJB Zero or something on YouTube about how to make a uh, cube. In Yu Gi Oh! Mm-hmm. I like kind of creating a cube from scratch, some best practices, good ratios to follow. For uh, context, what a cube is, for anybody who maybe hasn't heard of it, it's basically just kind of creating a custom draft format, a set mm-hmm. of cards that are meant to be drafted by four or eight people or whatever. And, you know, you can pick different themes for your cube. It could be like synchro based. It could be like based on some specific era. Based or, it on pendulums. Yeah, or it could be like a completely custom format that you just make yourself that had that borrows bits and pieces from lots of different like formats cards you like it could have new things like forbidden droplets or whatever but it could also still have like old stuff like i don't know exiled force or dd warrior lady like you could have all kinds of different sort of answers to that um and he makes a really great video about just how many cards of each you're supposed to put in particularly with regards to like staples and extra deck cards like what are the proper ratios to ensure that if you were to draft this with your friends that everybody would get like what feels like a fair amount. Sounds of like an essential cards. guide to uh, cubing. Yeah, uh, I actually was watching the video. I really liked it because I wanted to make my own cube, and I haven't gotten around to doing it. But I felt like that would be a. I'd like to make like maybe a synchro. You should do it and blog yeah. it, and we'll make it into content. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, I'd like to make like a synchro cube. I'd like to make a. It feels kind of scary to make like maybe like a link cube, but who knows, right? Or a pendulum cube sounds neat. Hey. Very unique. So. Um, that would be my advice. Um, I like your advice too, though. Just grab speed duels, or if not, just play the last format that everybody kind of liked. Yeah, uh, you know, my I guess so. In my case, my answer is speed duel box, or you find a time wizard format. Yeah, and mine would be same, or just cube make it a cube. Up. But know that cubes, I think, do take some experience to like. Like your first one won't be perfect. It'll probably be a little. It'll rough. probably be a bit of a, a nightmare, and probably rare and balanced or underwhelming, and that's okay. Like you just keep stick with it, and it'll be fine. Cool. But those are our questions, which means those are our questions. That's the end of the pot of greed for this week. Wishing you all very happy holidays, however you choose to celebrate them. We will see you guys next week. Be sure you stay tuned because I think we're gonna have a little bit of a giveaway. You might get a little something. I'll get something for loyally listing these past six months, if you can believe it. That's insane. All right, that's going to be it. We'll see you guys in the next one. Pass turn. turn.